Hello everybody and welcome to the Portsmouth Running Podcast. I am your host, Daniel Del Piccolo. The Portsmouth Running Podcast has been created to hear, store and share all the stories and experiences from runners in and around the Portsmouth area. I'd like to start by just putting a big um, word of thanks out to Belligerence, the Portsmouth-based uh, rock band, uh, for their intro music, and that's from one of their albums, and the song is called One Thing's Clear. Um, if you'd like to hear the whole song or some other of their tracks, then head over to YouTube and search Belligerence Portsmouth Band, and you'll find their stuff on there. Also, just a final thank you again to listeners for all your nice comments, emails. It's been great to to hear some feedback. Um, So thank you very much to everybody who listens. And speaking of feedback, I put a post out um, during the week about running along the seafront and whether or not you decide to run in front of Southsea Castle or behind Southsea Castle. And it was just uh, just funny to see um, how people make that decision. And uh, we'd had a few comments, one from uh, Eric de Grief, who, uh, who said, for me, it depends on the waves, how wet my feet will get and how far I'm running. Uh, but it has to be really bad for me not to take the longer route along the sea, which is always nice to hear because, um, yeah, I mean, it, it, like, like I said, it's nice. Sometimes it's nice to just to feel that wind in your face and stuff and face the elements a bit. Again, Richard Richard Tews, who was on, on the show last week, said it depends on the wind. So it sounds like uh, the wind is normally the, the big factor. And a, a nice comment from uh, a Portsmouth-based runner, Brett Rumford, who said, the seafront's great even when it's windy or crowded. Uh, I always take the castle route on the way out and sometimes the road on the return. So to see, I guess, to see a bit of uh, both of the pathway. So yeah, nice to get some uh, some comments and discussions going on the board, even just for a simple little question like that. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, you go out along the seafront and you kind of, you know, you have a route in mind and you kind of play these head games with yourself and these little tiny bits of entertainment that you have along the routes to to work out you know which way am I going to go or am I going to change the route and run through a pathway I've never run before or like I say you you approach um the aquarium coming from from the west and you kind of like go oh you know am I going to hit the front side or am I going to hit the, the the back side of the castle so yeah just uh, just interesting little discussions there uh, I love those those types of small little bits of, of information with regards to all the running that we do so a recap of the week for myself, it's been a, a very, very good week of training. I've hit a couple of hard uh, interval sessions, thanks to the help for some, from some other runners that I run with at lunchtime. Um, it's been great joining in with uh, some of their, their marathon training for their spring and, and early summer marathons. Um, I myself am training for the South Downs Way 50 miler at the moment, so I'm hoping to get my legs a little bit stronger, but still keep up a little bit of speed work. And obviously mixing that in with um, some longer runs uh, through the week as well. So I'm hoping next week to tackle the South Downs Way again and do another 50k. But um, yeah, it's going really well at the moment. As I say, my, my fitness is up there and um, just got to get the legs a bit stronger and start getting used, uh, the body used to uh, those kind of later stages of the race. So I hope everything's going well for yourselves. Uh, one of my favorite sessions um, I did this week was a, a, a run I did at work where we did a a warm-up run uh, of about five to ten minutes and then we hit uh, three times 2k with a short 200 meter break 1k with a short 200 meter break and then 500 meters as fast as we can uh, again with a with a 200 meter break and we repeat repeated that process three times um, and it was over a quite a hilly course as well which was good for my legs and my training but yeah really really tough session but but really good to share it with friends um, and yeah I look forward to doing that one again for sure 
Before we get to the interview, I would like to quickly put a shout out there to some of the other other podcasts that I've been listening to uh, over the years. Um, I know a few guests and a few people I've spoken to um, have not listened to podcasts before, especially running podcasts. So it would be nice to to just give a quick shout out to them in case there's there's any other podcasts out there that you're that you're interested in picking up tips and information and and listening to on your journeys and runs. Um, the first one is the ultrarunnerpodcast.com. It's hosted by Eric Schranz. Uh, it's an American-based show, although they often do speak to to UK runners and runners from other countries. So there's a lot of kind of ultra-running races from the States that are spoken about there. But the interviews are really, really good. You, I think he's Eric might have interviewed Jim Wormsley before. Um, so some some real, real top-level athletes like Claire Gallagher and and lots of lots of US based runners, but obviously the information within their own experiences that they share on the show are are priceless. Uh, the second podcast that I listen to is the British Ultra Running Podcast, which is hosted by James Elson from Centurion Events uh, and runner Dan Lawson. A great show, very, very relaxed and informal, but again they have some some top quality guests on uh, and guests with a lot of information about you know running in Great Britain, which is which is closer to home, very very interesting, and again people that you kind of brush shoulders with and may get to speak to at some of the local Centurion events if you if you do any of those, so yeah really really good show highly recommended. The the third I have on my list is the Let's Get Running podcast, which is hosted by runner Sean Dixon. Um, and sometimes co-hosted as well by Robbie Britton uh, and coach Tom Craggs. So Let's Get Running podcast used to have a couple of co-hosts every week and they've recently split and Sean has paired up with Robbie Britton and Tom Craggs uh, from fastrunning.com um, who do a lot of the reporting uh, you know, of the fastest park runs that week and a lot of the fast races around the UK. But again, they tend to cover a theme once a month. Um, I know they did mental health last month and this month they're covering marathons um, so they'll tend to release a show every week uh, and yeah for this next month they'll be covering um, the marathon distance uh, with tons and tons and tons of uh, top tips uh, and certainly from from Robbie Britton and Tom Craggs and Sean himself who have, who have done some fantastic marathon running they've uh, full of full of useful information so very worthwhile checking them out as well. Uh, another podcast I listen to uh, is the Science of Ultra uh, and this one doesn't come up very often, but it's one that I found myself, and it took me a little while to get used to it because it's it's very very in depth and very very technical. Um, they go into you know almost a lot of the times very very kind of cellular level detail um, with a lot of uh, you know medical guests uh, and top ultra runners on there. But I've recently found that they've kind of heightened the level a little bit to make it a little bit I guess easier for listeners. Uh, and they particularly do this show once a month called Co- uh, Coach's Corner, where they discuss all sorts of those interesting questions that you ask yourself and you never quite know the answer to. And you, you get they basically pass the question around four guests, so you get a very very good and broad kind of uh, yes I agree with that no I don't kind of um, argument with uh, with a lot of the topics covered. Again, which with running is super important because there's no one answer for anything with running really. Uh, just when you think you've nailed something something happens and it goes wrong so whether it's nutrition or training or injuries and stuff it's it's just always an up and down game so the next podcast i wanted to give a shout out to is a new one which i think came out the same time as we started the portsmouth running podcast um, it's called the coop cast 
uh, and it's by uh, ultra running coach Jason Coop. I don't know too much about Jason, but I have read one of his books, which I use as my reference to go to when I when I want to look up um, any training plans or training advice for ultra running. He interviews a lot of top ultra runners. Um, as I say, it's a very, very new show, but I think he's got about four or five episodes out at the moment, and they've all been very interesting. Again, covering topics uh, and busting a lot of myths out there. And finally, the last couple of podcasts is Talk Ultra with Ian Corliss. Uh, again, a lot of these podcasts are ultra-based, but within them, very, very good running advice all round for for any runner. So so do try them out. Uh, Talk Ultra is, for me, maybe a little bit, uh, one of my friends described it as a little bit elitist with the races. So he ten, Ian tends to cover a lot of the, the big races like UTMB and Marathon de Saab and um, uh, the Costa Rica Coastal Challenge. So a lot of the big rate events that, you know, do cost a bit of money to get out there and you tend to find a lot of the top athletes kind of chasing places for those. But again, lots of useful information. Uh, Ian's a great chap, very, very knowledgeable about running. Um, so yeah, good one to check out. And finally, Running For Real with Tina Muir. Uh, Tina Muir used to host a different podcast. Um, obviously, she's run for Great Britain in the UK, but she's now living in the States. Uh, and she settled out there and got a family. Um, but her Running For Real podcast is fantastic because she interviews um, based on, again, themes for, for running. So she might tackle mental health one time, she might tackle injuries, nutrition, and she gets a lot of top guests on there. And I know that she's interviewed Dean Conassas a couple of times as well. So some fantastic guests. Very, very worthwhile to check. So hope you enjoy any of those if you get if you um, try them out. Um, and yeah, always happy to uh, to uh, give some um, ideas for new podcasts. So if, any, if I do find any more, I will give them a shout out on the show. So on to the show. My guest this week is Del Roberts. And I've known Del since about 2015 when I first turned up at Eastney Junior Park Run. Uh, Del was volunteering there, he was part of the core team. Uh, and since then, obviously, I've known, known Del through running and know him through On The Whistle events, which he is a member of the organizing team on there. Uh, Del's a fantastic all-round guy, always full of good advice. Uh, and he was responsible for me running my first 100 miler as he got me to sign up to the South Downs Way 100 quite a few years ago. Um, Dell's very, very networked in the running community in Portsmouth. He's a member of the Portsmouth Joggers. He's got a lot of experience running from a very, very early age, as you'll find out in the interview. Um, he's done Marathon de Saab, which was great to chat about. Uh, the interview is quite long. Uh, I will uh, I will put it out there, so you might want to break it up into two or whatever, but Dell had so much running experience that it was it was difficult to cover in a short amount of time. So, um, But yeah, absolutely fantastic interview. Really enjoyed it. Um, I hope you do too and look forward to seeing some of you out there um, on the seafront and around Portsmouth. Uh, again, drop us an email or get in touch with us over social media if you've got any ideas on guests or, or um, people that you'd like to hear from on the, on the show. That'd be fantastic. And yeah, enjoy all your training and speak to you soon. Goodbye. Del, hello. Hello, Again, <laughs> we've just had a conversation, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to greet you again and just say welcome to the podcast. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to, to come and tell your story to uh, myself and the listeners. I think it's going to be really interesting um, from the fact that you're obviously now a run or race or event director yourself um, and all the, the different runs you've done starting from young age all the way up to MDS, which I'm really looking forward to talking about. So welcome to the show. Okay, thanks, Dan. Thanks for the invite to, to be on the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Um, how's 2020 been so far for you running-wise and stuff as a... Uh, running wise it's been okay until a couple of weeks ago a little niggle in the hamstring but 
Nothing serious. Nothing, well, touch wood, hopefully nothing serious. Yeah, yeah. Uh, being a bit sensible and ease back a little bit on some of the, the running. Okay. Uh, but this weekend, give it another go, see how the hamstrings. Not Sunday. Uh, it will be Sunday, unless oh, the race gets cancelled. I've ah. got, a, got a race or an event on Sunday. Oh, which one? Which one's that? It's uh, one of the Phoenix running events up in London. I've heard. I've heard about them actually. They're, they've got. Are they the ones that got the those really awesome like Back to the Future medals and Back, Back to the Future medals? Yeah. Oh, saw, Rick yeah. Virko loves a loves a good medal. I've seen those. They look. They look really good. In fact, I saw one that they had that was like a, it was almost like a booklet that opened. I can't remember which one that was. It was based on a movie theme. I think it might have been the Top Gun one or something. There was, uh, he's done like the TARDIS. The opening up the TARDIS. That's for the, 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 one time, the Time Lord on the Thames. Amazing, so, really so. good. So if you like medals, those are those are yeah. those are events to go to. Yeah. This this weekend it's, uh, it's it's his secret race, so he's told nobody anything about the race. So we ah. we've entered it. We know it's a six-hour challenge event, uh, but we don't know. There's no, we don't know what the theme is. We don't know what the medal looks like. It's just you enter the event, and we'll find wow. out on Sunday morning. So you, I guess you turn up somewhere, and they've they have they got a course already. Yeah, the course is we we're going up to uh, Walton on Thames. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we'll know registrations at eight thirty. Okay, and we'll turn up, and uh, hopefully all will be revealed. Fantastic, unless it gets cancelled. It's amazing how popular these kind of things are, where people are entering events. I think sometimes they're called pieces of string. Yeah. Centurion do a pieces of string race. Yeah, and they literally tell you nothing. You basically turn up somewhere, and they can bus you like fifty miles away. Yeah. Um, yeah so you've got no idea of the terrain or or anything. It's quite yeah, fun. Like, yeah, you, all you know is the distances are between like eighty miles and one hundred and thirty miles. Yeah, yeah. And you, but this one is a six-hour challenge event, so but we don't know anything more than that. Have you seen the weather forecast for Sunday? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm not going to. It's not going to be a scare, a scare tactic or anything. It's um, yeah, it looks pretty bad. <laughs> it does. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, the wind's behind us. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Although if it's a six-hour event, it's going to be in your face at some point. I see. Yeah. But uh, and obviously, the six-hour event we're going to we're going to chat loads about because obviously on the whistle events um, that you're a part of. Um, really looking forward to that that yeah. chat as well. But. Uh, Yes, yeah, so have you done much running this week or anything with the, with the niggles that are no, going on? No, rest, uh, taper, I think, is the correct term. Taper week. Oh, we all have a taper <laughs> week. <laughs> Enforced taper week from uh, being injured. I always, I, like, I, I find I don't feel the same, but um, with a taper week, it's always like that kind of, you know, you're leading up to the race and you're tired and you look forward to the taper week. But I find once I start the taper week, I want to go out running again. Yeah. I, I don't know if you're the same. I just, I, I get really... Restless. Yeah, really Jeez. restless, yeah. And I start thinking, oh, walking up the stairs is tiring, and yeah. but yeah, you just got to trust that you've you've done your plan, yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, um, so you run a number of distances and stuff. So, you, so you reckon you're in six hour-ish shape? No, I guess yeah. No, probably probably two hours maybe, if that. I think just being sensible yeah. for once. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I've got a funny story to tell. Uh, in fact, share. It's not tell tell you because you know, but you. I don't know if you remember or not, but the listeners will find this quite interesting. Is uh, you're responsible for me signing up for my first 100 mile race. Do you remember that conversation we had many, many years ago? In Bansbury Park, probably. In Bransbury Park, yes. <laughs> Sounds dubious. <laughs> yeah, so I was considering running my first 100 miler and you were like, no, nah, run the South Downs way, it's, um, it's brilliant, it's really good, which I did, I signed up for, and I think later on you told me that how hard it was and what a difficult uh, time you'd have had of it yourself, and I was like, yeah. I started getting really nervous. <laughs> yes, yeah, so. Uh, so thank you for that. <laughs> Really appreciate it. So, um, Del, uh, tell us whereabouts you grew up. Uh, grew up in a, a small village just outside Wrexham in North Wales. Mm -hmm. uh, from uh, from until I was eighteen. Uh, so, growing up, small small village mentality. Okay. Going to school, 
Um, Lots of hills and stuff around there. Hills, there? yeah. I, my school was on the other side of the valley, so to go to school, you went down one side of the valley and up the other side in the morning, and you reversed it in the evening. Oh, really? Cool. So, um, yeah, it wasn't a, just a, a flat walk along the seafront to, to yeah. a school. It was down a hill and up the other side. And a lot more spacious, I assume, than, than Portsmouth and stuff. A lot yeah, it was through um, farmyards and oh, lovely. So really, open really nice. space. Sounds really, really good. Um, what was what was young what was younger Dale like then as a as a, as a child? Uh, younger Dale, I, my mum would probably say that I never sat still. Uh, I was always doing something, uh, probably getting into trouble most of the time. But sport was always something I enjoyed doing. Okay. Uh, giving something a go, tried various things. Um, karate at one point, uh, hockey, swimming, rugby. Growing up in Wales, we all had to try out for the school rugby team. I'd say rugby's probably big, yeah. 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 Um, uh, but unfortunately, I didn't grow up to be as, as tall as other rugby players, so rugby sort of went by the wayside. Okay. So hockey and running, uh, cross country running at school was uh, uh, okay. was my thing. So running started pretty much early age and what, what age were you when you did your first, uh, first when running? we were doing cross country at school in the winter months because they never, they thought it was better to do cross country in winter months and it was track and field during the summer uh, Okay. Um, so I was probably around about 13 mm-hmm. um, and then the usually like the PE teacher used to say right go out run down here go down to that farm turn left turn right come back um, and then he stayed there and off we went so relaxed back then. I mean, could you imagine them doing that now? Yeah, and the health and safety now. Yeah, exactly. and it would be, yeah, there's people just running down country lanes, well, children running down country lanes. Um, and then people had to go and find out where Johnny or Julie was because they hadn't come back, they got lost. Yeah. Um, Teacher doing a count on the way back and then, oh, we're two down, where have they gone? <laughs> yeah, that was it. So probably having a cigarette down the, uh, down the bottom of the lane or something. <laughs> yeah, probably, probably very true. Excellent. So, so were, you, were you quick as a kid? Were you, how, how, did you, how did you, like, were you very competitive and stuff? Uh, I wouldn't say I was competitive. I enjoyed the longer stuff. I say longer stuff in those days. It was as opposed to 400 metres around the school uh, sports field. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, wasn't, I wasn't quick yep. for that, for the athletics, but the, for cross country, when it was like maybe over like a couple of miles, uh, I was okay. Well, I felt okay, and it wasn't, wasn't as difficult as sprinting 400 mm-hmm. metres, so... Mm-hmm. That's where I naturally tended to to go to. Okay. Did, did you was it was there a lot of competition around there? Was it like inter school competitions or or was it um, just like within the school itself? It was just or? within the school. It, uh, it's, we played hockey. Was into um, competitions uh, and leagues within the, the schools and colleges for, for hockey mm. uh, and swimming, but um, cross country and athletics. It wasn't it wasn't big. Okay. Uh, in North Wales. Right. Okay. So there's a lot of good runners from Wales. I mean. Dowie Griffiths and uh, quite yeah. a lot of like really good runners. I, saw, I just assume, kind of hearing about the the Welsh runners, that um yeah, there's a lot of a lot of good talent coming through the school systems and cross countries. And yeah, that's tends to be more down in South Wales. North Wales was the the poor relation. Oh really? Yeah. Okay, all right. Amazing how how it differs. Um, so you played rugby. Were you were you any, really good at rugby, or was it just um just like something you did for a little while? Or? It was it was something I, I I did for a little while, as you say. But the same as I did I stopped growing uh, being only five foot nine um, as a rugby player or as a, as a child even then it was uh, quite small okay. so the, even the children were if you were big you mm-hmm. played played rugby um, so hence why I ended up sort of 
tending towards doing running more than yeah. the, the rugby side. That's really good. So, so running was pretty much like quite a, I guess, big part of your life from from early on. Then it was uh, yeah, especially with within playing hockey as well. So running was always part of one of the training sessions during mm. the week. Um, so we'd go and do skills playing hockey and just like uh, indoor hockey or five side hockey. But running was also uh, one of the training sessions that we would do. Okay, it's amazing. Like how you look, you look sometimes you look back and you get nostalgic don't you you think like back then your younger self if they could see you now and, and what running meant to you and stuff it's quite yeah. it's quite it's quite different I mean I guess back then we had no idea I mean I used to hate running I used to absolutely despise getting ready for PE I used to I used to the 100 meter sprint at school was, was a fear for me I used to hate going on this I was always lost through the the finish it was re- it was really a bad thing and uh, so I've got some some kind of negative memories of running but it's nice to hear that I guess that was really fun back then. And it was, it was fun. It. it was the shortest distance, as I say, going back to doing more of that, the, the athletic side of it was the track and field. The, saying that the 100 metres, the 200 metres or the 400 metres, uh, I, I didn't like. Mm. I, I, I wouldn't say I dreaded it, but I always knew that I was not going to be be competitive. Um, whereas two miles or three mile cross country, yeah. Uh, I enjoyed because it was in the mud as well. I think it's that uh, that inner child. Yeah, um, always likes uh, likes the mud. There's, there's something like something very Peppa Pig like about jumping in muddy puddles and stuff when you're out on a run, yeah. cross country run. It's really good fun, kind yeah. of quite refreshing. I find it is. It's, it's a break from the uh, I'd say it's like modern shackles of what you the expectations of what you should be doing as an adult. Exactly. That's such a good point. You know, and I often think sometimes you know doing doing more like I've done a fair bit of road running and stuff and I think you know jump I always jump over puddles or avoid them now when I go cross country I aim for the puddle yeah. and my foot needs to hit the center of that puddle just to find out how deep it goes and stuff and I, yeah. I think going through the very thing that you used to avoid is something quite quite nice and that it makes me feel good every time I do it yeah just, just small little things like that are just just amazing um brilliant so um so I guess like trying to draw some kind of a timeline so we've discussed a little bit about your school your school running and stuff like that um, I guess a good place to start um, from a lot of the, the detail you, you sent me and we've spoken about before would be the 1990s where you said that you were doing like a lot of gym work and circuit training work but were you still doing a bit of running? Tell us, tell us a little bit about the 90s for you. The, 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 the 90s uh, for me really was, uh, it coincided with, with getting a job, being working. Um, so going out running was and I moved down from North Wales down into Portsmouth so I guess you were straight here then so I came straight here like 1991 I I left North Wales as an 18 year old Mm -hmm. uh, and came down here and started work for the Ministry of Defence and so it was moving to a new area it was then um, trying to fit things in around a a new job and training Uh, going to the gym was was easier because gyms are open for long periods of time Mm -hmm. Uh, and I would say it's like gym is you can go to the gym by yourself uh, yeah. and you can fit in. Um, come down here running, uh, get lost. Uh, in some ways, now I quite enjoy it because you can go to somewhere new and go running and you can explore some a new location mm-hmm. uh, a bit more confident. Uh, but back then... Um, you weren't too sure about the wasn't area. too sure about yeah. the area. And, and uh, So I then started going to the gym, meeting people, the, the small sort of circle of friends that I created. Um, or had back then sort of the new friends it was based around the gym okay. so circuit training was what I tended to do that sort mm. of and, and gym work um, which, which gym was that out of interest it was um, 
going back, it was called Sculptures, which was at Mountbatten Centre. It was a little small gym in the Mountbatten Centre. Was that still going, like about up to maybe 17 years ago-ish? It somewhere? was from when they did the new development where they put the new swimming yeah, pool in. Yeah, I think I remember the called, name. It was called, I think it was called Sculptures. Um, and But it was a small gym, uh, so that was then became my social scene as well. Mm. Um, and not many people ran. Uh, but, but, okay, but a treadmill. But a treadmill, yeah. It was it was like just go, you could do, do one mile or a couple of miles on the treadmill, okay. um, which always seemed a lot longer than a couple of miles mm. uh, on the treadmill. So that's what I tended to do. Yeah. Uh, but every now and again went for a run. Uh, okay, so you but still... Nothing, but yeah. nothing serious uh, or nothing sort of with any purpose. Mm. Um, it's almost like the running beast was just lying dormant for a little while in, within you. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It, it was. It was like you always used to see the Great South, and it was that thing. You go, you look at it, and you see the people that the roads being closed in Portsmouth for the Great South Run, um, and you always go, "Oh yeah, one day I'll do that. One day I'll do that." Uh, yeah. But one day you just put it off. I did. Mm. Um, That's true. Yeah. It's always like the, yeah, the next day will come, or the next day will come. Yeah. It's yeah. always yeah. I find sometimes unless you actually just go off and book something or put a date in the diary or something, it just things yeah. don't ever happen, do they? And, and, and that what happened in the, I think it was around about two thousand and three. Mm. Uh, I'd, I'd watched the Great South, and then in the end, I was like, well, there's the only way. When I say I'm going to do it one day, one day, one day, is the only real way to do it. Is actually, as you rightly say, is book it. Yeah. So I went online and I'm booked to go and enter the two thousand and four Great South Run. Brilliant. Excellent. So, so you'd gone to watch it that year? Had you, had you actually gone down to, to uh, spectate? I'd, I hadn't gone to spectate. I'd gone down into South Sea for something. I can't, I can't remember why. And I came out and there's just lots of people running around, uh, walking around with medals around their neck and, and finishes T-shirts. Mm -hmm. uh, and some of them all smiling, then some of them with that traditional um, seized up walk sort of thing as oh, they, yeah. they, they finish the race. A few foil uh, blankets. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and I just was like, yeah, I'll do that one day. And in the end, I just went, no, I'll go so I went home, went online, and uh, just booked it. And, and booked it. And why, why, do you, why do you think that that happened then? Just on that on that one day. I mean, I assume you'd seen the great stuff and all heard of it and stuff. I've like. seen it quite a few times. Yeah. I don't know. I think it was just realization. One of those things is I kept on putting it off. Okay. And uh, I thought, well, I'll, I could be in twenty years' time saying one day I'm going mm. to do that race. So for some reason, just did it. It was going to be that day that I was going to enter. Brilliant. So, uh, so you obviously knew then. Ten miles is coming up. Got to, got to do some training and stuff. Um, how, how did you, how did you then switch, or, or did you switch? Did you just carry on at the gym and just do your, your treadmill stuff, or did you actually think, okay, I've got to start training at some point? Yeah, I've got to start training, and uh, so I thought, well, I'll go out for a run. With no intention, it was before GPS, Garmin's, and all uh, that. So course, yeah. you're not sure how far you're going to run. So I went for a run. Okay. Uh, with no purpose other than just to run uh, and struggled really uh, the same as you used to run a couple of miles on a treadmill say a couple of times a month this was a little bit different than running around the streets of Porchester mm. um, so I got home uh, not quite sure how far I'd, I'd run so I got in the car and drove the route oh really just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's a brilliant way of doing and, it <laughs> uh, so I did that and I realised it was like well Quite disappointing. I thought I'd run further than what I had. Um, I think I probably had only run not even a couple of miles. Really? So, okay, right. So it was a little bit disappointing. So it was a bit of a wake up call. 
Did you, did you stop the car and like tap tap the uh, <laughs> the speedometer just to say, are you sure? <laughs> if I drive around again, we'll get best of three or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Uh, so I got a went online and went training program for a ten mile race and downloaded a program or printed off a program. Um, I'm assuming there were, there were plenty of those around on the internet. It was at that time, not or? not many at that time. It was okay. um, a Runners World uh, training program. I think Runners World was the, I think the only real sort of online. Sort of uh, knowledge base at the time. Gosh, they've been going for years yeah. then, eh? Runners World. Yeah. Wow, I didn't. I didn't quite realise how far back Runners World had gone. So. Yeah, I think they were like the like the only running magazine you could you could buy if you wanted to buy one. Mm. And in the end, I, I bought the, got this ten mile training plan. Um, it was 12, 12 week training plan. Um, started with the uh, runner, run a minute, walk a minute, do ten times. And okay. That was training. Week so one, real, day one. Real back to basics stuff. Real back to yeah. basics. Good, okay. Uh, so, and I trained by myself. Okay. Uh, and, and it was more on time rather than distance. Mm -hmm. So, that's what I ended up doing. Uh, and it was probably not until probably around week four of the plan when I went for a run and everything just clicked for one of those those days that you couldn't put your finger on why it was a, a good run. Yeah. Um, and then that was a realisation for me. It was like, oh, Back into running, I quite enjoy this again. Okay. Uh, a light bulb moment uh, for me. So, as it brought me back to the days of being a teenager again, going okay. cross country running. So you had then kind of connected the dots, and everything felt felt right. Yeah. That's good. I really get that. That's fantastic. Brilliant. So, um, so obviously it's ten miles that you knew you had to train for and stuff. So I guess training just progressed from that clicking moment, and you managed to get yourself up to what eight, six eight miles or something uh, like that before the. The training plan was uh, worked out that I got up to about eight miles on uh, okay. a couple of weeks before race day. Cool, and that all went all went to plan. No, no injuries, nothing. No, no injuries, it. nothing. Fantastic. Uh, touch wood. It was uh, a success for the uh, the training plan. Mm. So on to race day itself. So two thousand and four came along. Yeah. Um, October, and you're you're thinking, here we go. What was what was the what was the whole day like? Was it? Uh, it was I. I got the, the train from Portchester down into uh, to Portsmouth and Southampton, and then walked down. Was it always quite busy even back then with the cars going into town and stuff? Uh, yes, it was. Yeah, so okay. I, I thought oh, I'll get the train. Uh, seeing a couple of people on mm -hmm. the tra on the train, and you, you think, are they runners? Do they look like they're <laughs> running? Uh, it's a little bit like like what you see now is you you look around and think, oh, I'm not by myself. Um, yeah. Then walking down from Portsmouth to South Sea Station, mm -hmm. down into the South Sea, um, you see more people mm. with backpacks on, their trainers on, um, and you realise that there's a lot of people. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's immense, isn't it? It was immense. And back then it was um, 15,000 runners okay. compared to 25,000, 28,000 now. Yeah. Uh, but it was still my first experience of a race. Mm. Um, I'm quite impressed by those numbers actually, because back that's 2004. It's quite a way, yeah. quite a way back now. That's that's pretty impressive. Yeah. So, standing on uh, Avenue de Caen, waiting for the third wave. I was in the third wave. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the green wave. I still remember it uh, to start. Uh, and looking around and seeing that there's, I've trained by myself. So, mm -hmm. but you're around in like the green wave. You could probably say like 5,000 people. Yeah. Uh, you're not on your own. Mm. Uh, sure. Did you know anybody that was running it as well? No, that, yeah. no, I, I was just there by myself. Right. Um, looking around, you've seen all these people in like uh, running club vests, uh, and there was me in uh, a, a charity vest running for a charity. Yeah. Uh, 
but then you see all these people Portsmouth Joggers running vests Stubbington Green um, all these running clubs that uh, I've become familiar with now over the years uh, thinking they're they're a member of a running club they must be really good mm. um, yeah you, you, you touched on back then that you had your charity vest on so 2004, a difficult year personally for you. Obviously, you've chosen a cancer charity for to raise funds for. Can you tell us some of the reasons behind that? Yeah, one of the reasons, well, the reason I, I picked the, um, the charity uh, Breakthrough Breast Cancer was my mum my was diagnosed with breast cancer that year. Okay. Uh, so it was also, I said to her, I said, right, okay, um, breast cancer awareness wasn't um, as prevalent as it is now. Mm. Um, so I said to her, I said, oh, well, uh, I'll go and raise raise money for a, a charity for her, um, but also then gave you a little bit more focus on your training. Is yeah, I'm I'm going to ra- I'm running the race, but I'm also doing it to raise money, uh, which ultimately could help my mum. So mm. those days when you don't want to put your lace your trainers on and get out the door if it's raining or you've had a busy day at work, yeah. that then gave a little bit more motivation. Yeah, it's a good point, isn't it? It's amazing how those things, those those reasons for running, how so important in the mind. Yeah, they really do help put your trainers on and stuff yeah you hear it raining outside you don't want to go or it's cold or yeah and even on race day when you're not feeling great during certain moments in a race you, you go back to those thoughts it really helps you through yeah it does it, really it just does. Uh, it puts those uh, those negative thoughts at the, to the back of your mind yeah absolutely brilliant so um i think the great stuff was my was my very first run as well and obviously now i'm used to seeing you volunteer there because you've done uh, you've done a lot of volunteering with Portsmouth Joggers. Yeah, on the well, second water station. That's right, yeah, yeah. You went there last year, though, I don't think you went. No, I was over in um, Amsterdam for ah, okay. running f- the running festival in Amsterdam. Oh, okay. Okay, brilliant. So, so did you have a target in mind when you went to the, uh, when you ran the Great South Run first? Uh, initially, it was to, to finish. Um, I wanted to get um, like under one hour 40, mm-hmm. uh, 10 minute mauling. Yep. Um, so, and I, I was quite happy not obviously not running 10 miles before uh, and I finished it in like, just over one, one hour 34 one hour 32 or something so, smash, smash so, target. <laughs> so it was the, the target was smashed uh, from that uh, perspective uh, but more importantly is, is um, uh, I didn't die which is always good uh, and I wasn't put off running mm. uh, it's like when I first did my, my first marathon I finished across the finishing line some people say never again my my thoughts were uh, when's the next one where do I sign up yeah, <laughs> yeah so. I, haven't, I haven't had those thoughts for a while but after a race <laughs> brilliant so, so obviously this was um this is this is really good actually because you've obviously you know you found the the beast as I spoke about earlier inside you is, is awoken a little bit and you're thinking okay this running stuff's really good so clearly it was from here on that you that you kind of picked up your running now and it's pretty much stayed since yes yeah it's uh some people say it's probably uh, an addiction uh but i don't think so so did you uh, did you enter the next one after the great south did you enter for, enter for the following year uh i entered the following year um but oh uh, yeah i also entered the uh the new forest 10 mile uh race oh, yeah. the following year um again back then there wasn't as many races that people could enter yeah, of course, yeah, um, so yeah. there was just like the sort of the stalwarts of the races throughout the, the year that like the first weekend of July would always be the New Forest 10 mile or the New Forest half marathon and the marathon would always be in September mm. uh, and people sort of picked a handful of races a year There's, nowadays you, you can probably race every day of the week yeah. um, well you can I think you can nearly do an ultra 
every every, every week yeah. every weekend so, somewhere so so I, I was like well I've done the 10 miles what other 10 mile races are there um, I don't want to get too too ambitious and go for a half marathon mm-hmm. I've only just done one 10 mile so I entered the New Forest 10 mile uh, again I trained by myself yeah. um, and I was only probably like 5 seconds quicker than the Great South so I was like well this isn't quite right I thought, was it a flat race or was it a, was it undulating? It was, there was a slight undulation. Okay. Um, it, it wasn't a road race. Uh, so but that's impressive in itself, I guess. Yeah. Looking back on it, mm. um, when you take those in, then it's it's trail slightly mm. off road um, undulations. It's not south sea. It's not flat. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't see it back then. Um, you were just looking just at like, time. Just, it was just <laughs> focused on the time. So I looked at the time and said. Well, I'm only a couple of minutes, a couple of seconds quicker. Um, but I saw uh, a couple more Portsmouth joggers who was also at that event. Okay. Um, so that's when I decided, I thought, well, Portsmouth joggers or being in a running club isn't, uh, the requirement to be in a running club isn't, you don't have to be an elite. There is runners of all abilities because mm. I was running alongside people who were wearing Portsmouth joggers vests. Yeah. Um, so... Had you always maybe assumed that to be in a running club you'd need to need to be of a certain standard? Yes. Or something? Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. So uh, realizing that I was running alongside people who were in running clubs, mm. so I then back then made a phone call to the membership secretary of Portsmouth Journals, and they said, "Yeah, come down one night." Um, Do you remember who that was at the time? Or it was a guy called um, I think it was Dave Wright, okay. um, who was the membership secretary, and uh, well, I, it wasn't him who I spoke to; it was his wife. She answered the phone. And uh, she said, "Yeah, more than welcome to come down. Give us your details. I'll make sure he's aware of you, that you're, you're turning up." Mm. Uh, so I turned up on my first night at Portsmouth Joggers, uh, seeing everybody in running gear and not sure exactly where I should be. Yeah. Uh, and I asked uh, this one lady, who um, said, "I'll take you down to see Dave Wright." And I still remember it's um, Jill Pugsley, okay. a member of Portsmouth Joggers, who I subsequently ran lots of races with okay. um, she said no I'll introduce you to Dave Wright Dave Wright said hello welcomed me uh, and gave me uh, or put me into a, a group to run that evening okay. asked me about my running what I've been doing and said right go in this group cool. um, I'd like to say the rest is history from <laughs> yeah. Portsmouth Joggers perspective the running clubs are always so friendly aren't they I've, I've visited quite a few um, when I was getting a little bit more serious about running just to see how kind of like you know people did their routines on Tuesdays and Thursday nights but one thing's apparent it's just they're always really so welcoming and there's always a group for you to join and yes, everyone, everyone chats to you and says hello and it's just it's just amazing. I think it's just like a general thing with runners I've mentioned it before just the yeah people are just very friendly and inclusive and but very 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 welcoming so it sounds like you had that experience back then yeah most definitely from uh, from the club perspective that's really good so how did your training uh, change from then was it uh, a lot more structured or, or, or yeah, it was. Um, I was fortunate as well not long after that to get a place in the um, the Great North Run. So oh, wow. I was okay. step, stepping up to, to a half marathon, uh, dizzy heights Good. for me, as a, from 10 miles to a half marathon. Uh, and I used to go down the club on a Tuesday and Thursday mm-hmm. um, and just to do the hour training. Um, but for the, the great, great North, I decided I'd start going on the Saturday morning. Um, okay. And... Uh, there's one of the uh, one of the original members of Portsmouth Joggers is a guy called uh, Dave Bing, who's got a, a wealth of experience okay. on, on running uh, from marathons, half marathons, or, or any real distance. 
um, and he gives so much to the club mm. uh, and he, he made training fun okay so um, he would break up uh, an eight mile training run with uh, what I now know is is Farclet training or speed sessions or we'd uh, run around a lake uh, sort of try and get quicker around the lake and then have a steady run afterwards yeah so but he made it fun yeah uh, and interesting and it wasn't that sort of monotonous of just running up and down the seafront or, or like eastern road yeah uh, I, think it's, it's, I think it's quite a lot of those groups still go on in the running clubs it tends to be kind of like a, a very structured kind of tuesday and thursday and then some branches off because i always see posts about various groups from Portsmouth joggers going off on a Saturday and there seems to be like a very small ultra ultra running group now and some marathon running groups and it just, it's, I think it's really good because there's so many options just to go out all over the weekend yeah there is there's always like um, a group that's training for the people do a training group for the Great South mm. um, there's also um, training groups for like the like ladies five mile road race yeah uh, so if you're wanting to to focus on a particular event um, there's probably a training group that can help you to it yeah I think, it's, I think it's really good and there's so many options obviously there's so many clubs around now it's brilliant Melbourne we've got Baffins and Portsmouth Athletics if you want some like faster track stuff and yeah the joggers and obviously Demi Striders Stubbington there's just so many so many options yeah. it's brilliant did, did they always meet at um, North Harbour or was there other other meeting points back then um, we used to be at Mountbatten Centre right um, so we used to meet there um but then there used to be cross-country groups that you used to go out on a Sunday if you wanted to do cross-country and they used to have various locations. Okay. Um, each each week they'd change it. Mm. Yeah. I think I still see some of them go up to uh, QE Country Park sometimes. So, yeah. yeah there's, there's quite a few a few runners. I think when, normally when I'm finishing my, my long runs on a weekend, there's normally groups arriving to go out for their runs. So it just suits me the early mornings. <laughs> Brilliant. So um, so obviously how, how did the Great North Run go? Was it, was it fine? Good experience? It was. It was one of those, um, the first major televised sort of event. You're there and you're seeing all the television crew and uh, the helicopters flying over, um, filming the elite runners at the beginning. Uh, and if everyone, anybody's done the Great North, uh, the starting is on uh, both sides of a dual carriageway okay. um, in, in Newcastle. And then you just run to, just run, but you run to, to South Shields on the seafront. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're there with 50,000 other runners on a dual oh, carriageway 50,000 uh, <laughs> but you have to be in your holding pen like half an hour 40 minutes before uh, the start of the race uh, and it was the first event that I'd done that it actually took me over 15 minutes to, from the start of the event oh, to really? cross the start line it's just the sheer number wow. uh, of, of runners obviously chip timing so it was chip timed <laughs> yes so you're okay there so, but yeah it was uh, it was really good and you could as you're running along and they had um, signs saying up where the um, BBC film crews were mm-hmm. so you can go and run and you can see all the cameras and you can go and see all these people that you see on television waving say hi mum I'm here yeah uh, so if you were that way inclined, oh, you really could good. go and, and run. Uh, and again, as I ran for Breakthrough Breast Cancer, so I was in this okay. bro- uh, uh, Breakthrough Breast Cancer pink running vest with a big pink curly uh, afro <laughs> wig on, uh, which I realised was not conducive to running a half marathon. You tended to sweat quite no. a lot. Was it a hot? Was it a hot? It was. It was a hot. It was hot for us, yeah. I think, for 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 the event. But wearing a a nylon pink curly wig 
uh, you don't realise how much you sweat from your head. Yeah. Um, to get to get the layering right on any run is difficult, isn't it? Was, it? Yeah. yeah. But ultimately, to cross the finishing line, uh, ticking that uh, sort of major event or mm. an event at the time off was quite uh, yeah. rewarding. Oh, well done. And and again, raising some more money for for mm. a charity. I'm seeing I'm seeing such a like a, a very sensible, structured kind of break out into the different distances here. You know, I, I often hear the story too many times of people like you know running. Ah, oh, forget the marathon or the ten k. Let's let's run an ultra first, and let's do this and let's do that. But yours yours seems like a very kind of gradual and very processed and very thought out intro back to running. Um, I think I think that was it at the time. I don't think it was this at the time. Saying going back to the the mid two thousands, it wasn't mm. really um, the ultra running wasn't as prevalent as it is now. True. So yeah. it was saying then it was a marathon was was a big thing yeah and if i think if you ask most people back then is had they'd run a marathon or did they know somebody who'd run a marathon um you wouldn't get the same response as you would now mm. it would be back then is yeah oh i've run one marathon or two marathons or oh I, I know somebody who has run a marathon yeah but you compare that to what it is now is you ask some people have, have you run a marathon and they'll turn around and say oh well i've, I've run 120 of them yeah yeah you're uh, right I think the back then it was a marathon was still considered mm. um let's say the the pinnacle of somebody's running ability yeah. it was it was something that people yeah. aimed and aspired for well i think I think it still is isn't it because it i mean no matter how many ultras there are or how many how far people are running i think that the the marathon seems to be the pinnacle in the sense that it's the longest run that you can do at some of the speeds that people are doing i mean it does seem to be kind of that that distance like the 800 meters is to um to the to the track world where it's the kind of like the longest and the hardest distance you can do because you know of the speed your your body can it can push yeah um for that distance so i think in that respect it is still the pinnacle and still kind of like the height of certainly road running and stuff but yeah i mean there are lots of a lot, lot longer events out there now yeah <laughs> as we're going to come into but um talking of marathons and stuff you in 2008 decided right this is it this is this is the marathon time so and you ran the uh, a race that my friend one of my friends has done as well the Shakespeare marathon yes I picked the Shakespeare marathon um, I didn't get into the London Barrett uh, okay it's um, I've been trying because everybody says if you're a runner they always ask you have you done a London marathon and that yeah. still is true today yeah uh, you ask they do. Uh, and there's people walking around with t-shirts that says other marathons are out there sort of thing <laughs> yeah uh, so I didn't get a place in the uh, the London ballot uh, and I wasn't uh, in a position or didn't feel I could go and raise the £2,000 for a charity place. Mm. So uh, the Shakespeare Marathon was, I think it was the week after London. So okay. I could then go and join the Portsmouth Jogger Spring Marathon Training Programme. Perfect, right. Yeah. So, so I'd, whilst people were training to go and do the London Marathon, I was... Uh, mine was either a week before or a week after London mm -hmm. um, so it, it tied in so that's what I did I, I went and did the, the training plan with Portsmouth Joggers Would you have preferred it to be the week be I know you can't remember but would you have preferred week before or week after London Marathon just out of interest Because uh, I would have, I would have, I would have liked to have got it done before everyone yes. else does so you can just relax the next weekend It is yeah <laughs> and uh, I, I think it was and there was also people going up uh, and doing the Lock Harbour Marathon up in Scotland as well so there was it wasn't just people doing the London Marathon. There was like um, a few, a few, a few ones, marathons. Yeah, yeah. Um, so 
then I didn't get the training plan off the internet, but I used Portsmouth Joggers training plan, mm -hmm. um, a guy called Chris Breyer, um, who'd uh, taken quite a few uh, marathon training programs. Okay. Um, so he had a kind of generic one that went to a lot of the runners who wanted to use. Yeah, he was um, he was a UK athletics endurance coach. Okay. Uh, so in conjunction with uh, people at UK athletics, he uh, produced the training plan. Mm -hmm. uh, so I printed it off. Uh, Sixteen weeks, uh, four runs a week. Oh, it's a long, it's a long time, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And uh, put it on the put it on the wall in the in the house, and uh, each after each run. Tick it off. Tick it off. Tick it off. Do it off. Okay. Um, very pro very process driven. I, I like that. It's just like, yep, another one off, another one off. It's it all, is. Like it serving is. a jail sentence. To <laughs> it was, yeah. It's 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 one of those things you look at it and it's you look back on it and you go, How anal was I? It's true, yeah, but I mean it's good, isn't it? It's like it's like it's like you've done your chore for the day. Yeah. Tick it off. Yeah, that's really good. Did you treat yourself after each tick? <laughs> yeah, I should beer have done. from the fridge or something. <laughs> So how, how did you do in that marathon? What was uh, what was the day like? What, how, how did it go? The, the day was um, the British weather forecasters got the weather forecast wrong. Uh, we were supposed to be around about um, fifteen degrees, uh, which was typical sort of April weather. Mm -hmm. uh, so we went up to go run in, uh, but on the day it was about 23, 24 degrees oh. and uh, sunny. The wrong way for me. The, I was the, <laughs> it was the right, and uh, at the time. Um, I didn't enjoy the heat. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't have any sun cream on. Uh, and if you've ever done the um, Shakespeare Marathon, you go along this uh, a long stretch of it is called the Greenway, which is an old disused railway line. Um, and it's that flint, um, white, white Ooh, stone right. compacted gravel. So with the sun on it, it's quite bright. Uh, so running along, and you have to do that twice because it's two laps. Mm -hmm. uh, coming on the second lap, it was it's tough but you're at the end of a marathon as well so it's even you, you are yeah, tired yeah. Uh, and I remember coming to about 25 miles okay. in that round uh, and you can see the finishing line a couple of meters 100 meters in front of you um, but they then take you down a dual carriageway and back just to get that extra mile that, that final oh. mile in then you go into the finishing field uh, for your last um, point two of a mile. Those small diversions just take ages, yeah. don't they? Oh. And uh, so, but I finished. Uh, as, as I said earlier on, it was one of those events that I knew I would never say never again. Mm -hmm. uh, partly, I had to do another marathon because I was aiming to get under four hours, and I got four hours and twenty five seconds. So. Do you know, as good as that is, that's a ama an amazing time. It's so close to getting under four hours. You might, were you gutted? It was gutted, and I was like, "Well, only if I just ran a second quicker each mile, I would have done it." Yeah. Uh, so I finished. I was quite happy with myself, mm -hmm. but then also as well as there was a slight disappointment that I didn't uh, get under the four hours. So that's when I then went right, got into the next marathon. What's next? Yeah. Which I then went and entered the the Abingdon Marathon that October. Okay, so a few, few, fair few months in between, so you had to keep up some. Yeah, so it was another, yeah. um, and it was at the time as well as with Portsmouth Joggers, they did a spring marathon group and an autumn marathon okay. training group. Mm -hmm. So you just kept yourself ticking over until probably around from the, the April to, to probably like late June, mm -hmm. and then you started the training program again for the the October marathons. Can so. you remember back then how you how you managed to do that? Because that's quite a it's quite a long time to be. In marathon shape, did you 
did you drop off the long distance runs and then pick them up again or did you literally just keep maybe like once every three or four weeks doing a long run no we we dropped dropped off and we were doing the long runs would be instead of doing the 16 18 miles we went down to just do 10 miles and having okay. fun okay that's good brilliant that's really good because a lot of people kind of you know I, know I know i'm guilty of doing it i would just want to keep those long runs up all the time and it's, yeah. a, it's just a long time to keep your body going in, in looking back at it you think that's what should people we should be doing now you see a lot of people now who just go from marathon to marathon to marathon yeah, they don't uh, give yeah. themselves any downtime yeah um but as i said the number of races that people did back then mm. um they would only do say like two or three marathons a year where people now do two or three marathons a, a month yeah yeah that's true so, so how did you do in uh, abingdon Abingdon, I improved by one second. Yes, what a win. <laughs> so, so you could say it's, it's progress. So I ended up um, saying it's, it's four hours and 24 seconds. Uh, how many how many milliseconds per mile is that then? <laughs> yeah. So, but again, it's, it, was, it was enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Uh, bit disappointed again. It's yeah. that holy grail of wanting because to get so under close. four. It's, it's, it's so close. Four hours. Um, so I was like, go and do another marathon. Okay. So, there we go. <laughs> and unfortunately, I did the Lock Harbour Marathon, which they don't run anymore. But that was a, a flat road run mm-hmm. uh, up in Scotland uh, along uh, Loch Long, thirteen point one miles out. Okay. Right, turn around a road cone, uh-huh. and then run back. Right. So nice and flat. Uh, and then that time, I managed on third time of asking. Third time, lucky. Got under four hours of three hours and fifty eight fantastic and, and some seconds which I can't remember great feeling great feeling uh, and the beers that night were uh, <laughs> tasted even better plentiful plentiful it's great I, I love having a I love having a cold beer after a long run it's just uh, later on not immediately afterwards <laughs> yeah we've seen um, there's a lot of races these days even the, the 50k that Rob puts on in uh, in December and there's beer being handed out at the end of the finish line. Yeah. I, I just, honestly, I just look at it every every year. I look at it and go, Whoop. I almost have to kind of hold my <clears throat> my stomach a bit because I can't believe people do it straight after a race. But even people do it during the during the race. Oh. So you can have your mulled wine or a shot of Jack Daniels. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people like it. They just love the warmth that it provides, yeah. or they love the taste of a bit of red wine. It's like or, or a gin. Well, I did. The, I did the great uh, no, which race was it it was the Reading Half Marathon one year yeah. and at about nine miles into the race there's um, there's a pub on the corner of, and you turn left 90 degree on the left mm-hmm. and there's a pub King's Head or something the King's Arms and at that point there's a trestle tables outside that the, the pub has put on with um, cups of beer Okay. Uh, and they've got a big sign up that says um free beer to all runners oh, wow. maximum of 10 per runner <laughs> and and you got the locals there out sitting outside watching you and I ran and I was don't know what made me do it but I went and picked uh, a cup of beer up and it's not a pint it's not even a half pint yeah. uh, and uh, and I drink it and all the the locals in the pub out sitting outside are all cheering so I had another one oh, no. and uh, they all started cheering again and they said go and have another third one so I had three of these drinks oh my god uh, it's probably only about half a pint, yeah. probably in total. But still, uh, so as still about nine miles into the, the race, and there's not many hills in in the Reading Half Marathon. Okay. It was the route that it was back then, and then so you, I then you turn the nine mile point, you go up a hill. Mm-hmm. So I had three drinks of beer, oh. got up to the top of the hill, 
So I worked a little bit and the, the alcohol was straight into my bloodstream. And uh, got to the top of the hill, uh, got a little bit lightheaded. So I don't know if it was a combination <laughs> of running uphill and the beer. Uh, so I think... Did you start dancing or hugging the other runners? Telling no, them I wasn't. I wasn't like a, one of those like, sort of happy runners. It yeah. was just like, oh, I'll slow down a little bit, and then the next water station, I took on a, mm. a little bit more water than than what I would have done. I've often, I've often wondered to myself, like, what the feeling would be like mid race, mid marathon race, or even well into the late stage of an ultra race, if you were to have enough drink to make you tipsy. I wonder. I've always just a morbid curiosity to to wonder which way it would spin you. Would you go the bad way or the good way? Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's it's strange. I don't know. I'm not going to try it, <laughs> but, I, but I have often wondered. As as a race director, I don't know how we would get that through past our insurance. <laughs> you just don't tell them, yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. So, um, so Del, uh, soon after that um, came your first ultramarathon. Um, which one was it? Th- a thirty mile ultramarathon. Thirty miles. It was the Doyne of the Down. So, as you said earlier, so it all seemed to be a little bit. Uh, sensible in my, my progression mm. uh, but got to the point where I was like oh, I'm going to give 30 mile a run um, so I entered with quite a few people from Portsmouth Joggers we went and did it Great. Um, but this was my first real uh, adventure into cross country running it wasn't a road marathon mm-hmm. or a road ultra it was quite, uh, up and down uh, around Arundel Castle so okay. it took, takes you up over onto the South Downs and then you come okay. back in. So you've got some, yeah, some, quite a lot of hills around there. Some, yeah. some hills. Uh, and and the scenery was a lot nicer than uh, sort of towns. Yep. So a few of us did it. Uh, and it was one of those sort of moments in my life when you think, this is really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. It's not so much because it's running 30 miles, but whereas if you're doing a road marathon you're coming up to an aid station and you're you're grabbing a, a cup of water or a lupus aid and then you're off yeah. and you just you don't stop yeah because uh, it's all about the time uh, and i think probably because i got under my four hour marathon i was quite happy i'd sort of tick that box mm-hmm. uh, moving into the ultra and then you get to an aid station there's people standing around yeah and they're having a drink they're taking their time having a chat to people yeah. Uh, and then off they go and it was sort of a break from sort of the pressure of a race mm. the, the road races that I've done before uh, and the hills people were walking the hills they weren't running them so it was a lot more enjoyable for me mm. uh, a lot more focused on the kind of maybe the relationships between runners on the run I guess yeah and people are, are chatting as opposed to it, there was people I hadn't met before and you're still running alongside them chatting Whereas you don't normally get that on a road marathon or a, a half marathon because yeah. people are focused uh, or their objective is, is to go as quick as possible. Yeah, people. it's amazing how people don't talk on a road run. I mean, I, I, I try and chat to people on the Great South Run just because I'm used to chatting to people on the, on the ultras and uh, no one talks. Like, yeah. Even that final stretch on the seafront, you know, you're, you're all tired and the first thing that goes through my head is I wonder how everyone else is feeling. So I start chatting to people um, very very obviously short sentences yes. <laughs> no one answers no. it's just amazing um, yeah you get you get very very little response from people they're very focused which is fair enough right I don't, I don't mind that but um, yeah it's amazing just the contrast between uh, between the two so that was very apparent for you yeah it was very apparent yeah. and uh, and I crossed the finishing line and uh, it was all um, sort of instead of that procession if you've done the Great South or the Great North mm. or any of the so the marathons is you finish 
they take your timing chip off you they give you your medal and you're just pushed through yeah. to go and pick your bags up this yeah. was like you finished and people were standing around yeah. clapping people in cheering people in and just talking mm. so it's a lot more fr- I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say friendly like i wouldn't say like old running's friendlier and stuff but it is definitely like i said focused more on the relationships between runners and runners helping each other through and yeah. like you say getting to know who's standing behind the water stations rather than just grabbing a cup and throwing it yeah um so yeah just just adds a different dynamic to it i guess yeah, so you enjoyed that, did you? That was um, that was something that, you, that, you, that attracted you to the ultras. Yes. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And it was it was more off than looking at the time. I'd sort of, I'd, I'd done the sub four hour marathon, so I wasn't looking to to try and get a time. It was tick that box to say I've done a, a thirty miler. Brilliant, brilliant. And obviously that didn't it didn't stop there because you soon went on to um, uh, try a hundred kilometers, sixty two miles. Sixty two miles. Yes. Um, I don't know what made me think that I could do that, uh, but I was with a group of people with, again down at Portsmouth Joggers who were do, who were doing it, mm-hmm. in teams of four, yeah. uh, and I thought I'll come along and I'll join the training for it mm-hmm. um, and support them, um, and then there was eight of us who uh, who did the did the event together, um, and then ran from Queen Elizabeth Country Park at Petersfield. Yeah. Down to the uh, horse race track down in uh, Brighton. Brighton. Ah, oh, that's the same one that I think the London to Brighton finishes on. Yes. It might be. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So I've run that myself. That London to Brighton. I do remember coming over the brow and seeing the racetrack. And I think you actually get to finish on one of the on part of the racetrack, which is quite nice. Yeah, with the um, the the trail walker and the Gurkha challenges, you you finish. You do the the finishing line is at the, the finish line of the, yes. the racetrack. Yeah. So you're you're running the last the last furlong on the racetrack yeah yeah which i think was a little bit of a climb if i remember correctly it is at, at the end of 100 kilometers it's a big climb yeah 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 so was it the full 100k you did or was it part of a relay team it was the, the full 100k 100k how did you feel after that uh i felt good mm-hmm. my feet were on fire <laughs> uh got to the point where it was less painful to run mm-hmm. than to walk okay um so whereas i wanted to walk the hills especially towards the end of the race my feet it was so like on fire they were so painful yeah with blisters uh, that i shuffled up the hills because you know, sort of did a run shuffle mm, up the hill because mm. it was less painful on my feet yeah um which was tiring yeah but as you rightly say as you come up over the hill and uh, you see um the race course because mm. uh, we did it when it was um the sun had gone down so okay the, the racetrack was all lit up lovely um, so that was, it was like a beacon Mm. that you go and run yeah you uh, just kind of blank out a little bit and you go for it yeah how, how did you um i'm interested to find out how you tackled nutrition and obviously it's not something that we've touched on with your previous ultra leave the marathon stuff because i guess marathon nutrition is relatively solid solidified in a lot of people's minds and people can get through those on gels and whatever but how did you did, how, how did you practice your, your nutrition for 100 100 kilometers uh, during our training um with the group we used to go and we tried all the different sort of variations of, of gels and um, sort of energy bars that was there wasn't the then the products the, 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 <laughs> the products and stuff the the diverse range that you have now mm-hmm. um, most of it was like like SIS gels and things like that and over a period of time as, as you know that is they just sit in your stomach oh. so we we then looked at actually just like proper food yeah real food sandwiches and uh, cake 
uh, all runners love cake so we, we tried that um, but with the trail walker they provided um, a, a halfway point was an opportunity to sit down and be like a army uh, food tent yeah. or mess tent um, and you could go and get pasta or, or nice. jack potatoes and baked beans so that's what we tried yeah. uh, so and it worked uh, it worked yeah. um, I think nowadays you, you can't go wrong with carbs hmm. um, have proper food it's easier yeah. in your stomach I think you're right I think it's like yeah there's, there's so many products out there now like people and I know people who run ultras on gels and I'm thinking oh my goodness 12, 12 13 14 hours on gels sometimes 20 hours on gels no yeah. thank you no I've, it, I've drunk tailwind before for a, for 26 hours non-stop and that although that worked um, you can't you don't want to do it again so it was, it's almost like you know the one alcoholic experience that you have on with, with a certain alcohol it puts you off forever yeah it's like that you know you can get through it on one on one brace and after that your body just doesn't want it anymore so I think it's nice to hear you say real food real food yep. and um, with, with training uh, for other ultras that I did later on discovered um, boiled potatoes yes put them good. in the microwave with salt and some butter mm, uh, really good. and then just leave them in your bag and then you, when you're running is you're eating uh, cold boiled potato yeah um, you don't need any fancy food that's just they're really it's really good. really good food yeah, and yeah. salt and butter on it just to give you a little bit more of a uh, taste yeah it's quite nice like, I find the salty stuff really good now because a lot of the drinks that you end up having whether it is a sports drink or coke or it's, it's all that sweet and I find later on I don't know if you're the same something salty is nice and a potato is perfect like you said yeah. it's, it's uh, really savoury as opposed to to the salty yeah. uh, the, the sweet stuff not too much flavour but a nice texture goes down easily yeah it's yeah. really really good so the 100k was done and uh were you thinking, yep, can do that again? Or um... yeah, it was. It, I wasn't put off apart from my feet were uh, were complaining, uh, but the same is sore feet heal themselves, blisters heal. Yep. Um, so I ended. I thought I've done a hundred k. I'll go and try a hundred mile. Oh, here we go. <laughs> uh, the big, the big race. The big one. <laughs> so it's part of the training for the hundred hundred miler, uh, which the South Downs. So, this, so this is the story that you told me after you got me to sign up. Yeah. Yes. And I'm thinking, Dal, why did you just get me to, to sign up for this? Well, it's, <laughs> I don't want to put you off too much. Uh, so I trained for uh, the, the Thames Trot, uh, which is a 50 mile race in okay, February. I've heard of that one, yeah. Um, from, uh, from Oxford down into to Henley. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went and did some training for that, uh, doing my back to back weekend training runs. And then. Um, the day before the race, the the weather was bad, uh, or had been bad, and the race organisers said they've had to reroute most of the course from cross country to road. Okay. So, a uh, bit different. You're yep. used to, as as a runner, you get used to psychologically that you're going to be running cross country. Yeah. Um, to then running on a road. Mm. Uh, yeah, that it does constant, change, yeah. That constant pounding on your legs, whereas up and down some hills, you do get some respite. Uh, use yeah. different muscles uh, but we were running through in some cases knee deep of water even then on the roads wow right because it's serious conditions <laughs> yeah it was I think probably now they'd probably cancel the race and the sort of duty of care but mm. back then it was uh, we just changed the route get on with it okay uh, and finished it in 9 hours 50 good. which was I was quite pleased That's with a good time yeah uh, and that was that was in February, which was then my base 
uh, for my training to then go into into June for mm. the, the South Downs hundred. So the hundred. I mean, you've you've entered it. You're thinking, oh my goodness. I did. Did you know? Did you know what an epic adventure you'd be in for for that? Or yes, to to a degree. Because I'm saying we've done. I did Petersfield or Community Country Park to to Brighton. So yes. that was the over most of the South Downs way. Okay. Uh, so this would just be from Winchester to Petersfield, mm. and then the little bit extra, as I said, just a little bit extra. Just a down, little bit extra. Down, it's into, that bit. down into Eastbourne. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so training back to back long weekend runs uh, again is with nu- the nutrition uh, what, did you, what did you peak at with your back to back runs just out of interest uh, I did uh, Saturday a 40 mile run mm-hmm. and then on the Sunday I did a 20 mile run okay that's good uh, very good so that was that was my peak mm-hmm. uh, sort of distance for, for the, the event uh, but again is trialling uh, ball potatoes uh, pizza uh, is that um, you doing a Dean Carnassus? Yeah? Dean Carnassus, yeah. <laughs> it was interesting because that was when it was people then started reading his book, mm. um, and people go, oh, "Pizza, cake, things like that." So yeah, it, if it works for him, it's it's food. Yeah, um, that's what we tried. It seemed to work. Mm. Um, training went really well. I'd managed to get my marathon PB time down to three hours forty. Fantastic. Uh, okay. Doing the getting stronger on the long runs. Yeah. Threw a couple of marathons in uh, along mm. the training, uh, so training was going well. Taking twenty minutes, nearly like eighteen minutes off yeah. my marathon PB. Clearly, your endurance has built up really strong over, yeah. over the years and stuff. Yeah. So and then come race day, uh, if you ever well, you know the start line of uh, <laughs> a Centurion event, the Sports Centre, which they've now changed, but it, I think it was probably still the Sports Centre around the field once. Yeah, around the field. The Round the field to um, to sort of try and thin out the. So were you quite pretty nervous and stuff on the start line? It it was, but I'd I'd done the training or, or training I thought was was right. Kit check uh, kit checks all went through fine, no issues. Yeah, the kit check, you're checking your jacket, checking your head torches, mm-hmm. uh, and off we went, and uh, everything was going well until about six miles in. So early on, and yeah. uh, sort of my stomach didn't feel quite right. Um, Went and used the nature's toilet, mm-hmm. uh, and then progressively over the next fifty miles, yeah, uh, sickness and diarrhea. Really? So, wow. Not sure what the reason was behind it. Uh, was it? Do you think maybe something you ate or something you picked up, or it, just it, a bug or something? It, no idea. Okay. Um, could have been a bug. Could have been uh, something I ate. Nerves. I was going to uh, ask. What do you think? Maybe it might have been. The stress and the build up to the, to the it, race it day. Could, it could yeah. be um, doing something that I've never done before. Mm. Uh, but then at 62 miles, 63 miles, um, when suffering with double vision and dizziness, mm. uh, going into the night part uh, of, the, of the race, of the yep. route, um, as you would know, going up to the Jack and Jill, it's uh, the windmills, yep. it's quite sort of remote. Uh, and then I was I was being ill, so I decided to to call it a day. Yeah. Um, so I retired from the race. Did you actually hand in your number at one of the aid at the stations? aid station? Yeah, I, said, okay. I got it. Got to the point, and I said, "There you go, I'm out." Did they try? Did they try and keep you on track? Because no, they didn't. They just okay. said, "I think they probably looked at me and went." Yeah, okay, so they knew you were probably, in a bit of a state. Yeah, probably better that you don't carry on. Yeah. So because the Centurion volunteers are really good at kind of, you know triple quadruple five times ten times over checking are you sure you want to hand it in yeah, just sit down yeah, just get, have, have a rest for have a, a rest we'll, we'll 
Mm. Keep your number, and then we'll ask you again. Now this one, I think they looked at me, and um, you were clearly visibly not well. Not yeah. well, and uh, so I retired, and I got a lift home. Um, did you have a crew? Did you have a crew with you that day? Yeah, I had. Um, so I ran um, the first fifty miles or the fifty-two miles with. Um, didn't have a buddy, but I was running with uh, Derek Powell's. Okay. For Portsmouth joggers, uh, and. We, we got to the 52 mile point of Washington mm-hmm. uh, I wasn't feeling too good he carried on okay and that's when I picked up my, my uh, the buddies mm-hmm. um, so I then got to 62 miles and I went no, no. this okay. isn't I've got to stop and your so, buddies were pretty supportive of that decision yeah, as well then, yeah they were and then they so I got a lift home okay. um, who, who buddied you can you remember it was Tony Conway and Steve McLean oh really okay so and they were like as Steve McLean had to stop me as I nearly fell off the South Downs way really? and sort of wow. the, the shutters come down so I've still got unfinished business yep I'll uh, I'll go back and do it at some point okay so uh, it is so it is on the plan to, to go it's back it. I haven't got any timeline for it uh, but it's still there I'll tell you what I'll make I'll make you an off an hour you go and, you go and do it one year mm. and if I'm not away I'll come and I'll come and uh, run with you in the night time if you want some company yeah definitely the I'll, I'll hold you to that there we go. How's that? Off, offer made, and it's official. Yeah, <laughs> it's recorded. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Adele, um, I, th- I think we you may have mentioned earlier. We we chatted a little bit earlier about um, moving away from the ultras and stuff. Uh, Eastney Junior Park Run. So you went and uh, wanted to give something back to the running community at some point. I, mean, I think it was twenty fifteen when when it had first started. Tell us a bit about how you got involved with Eastney Junior Park Run. Uh, I was asked by a friend of mine, Claire Fleming. She said, "What are you doing at this w- the weekend?" And uh, I said, oh, I'm not doing anything. She said, oh, well, I'll buy you a coffee if you come and help. And I think it was the um, the, the trial event mm-hmm. for Eastern Junior Parkrun. She was going to be, um, she was one of the uh, the run, uh, run directors. Yep. So off I went down and she said, this is, I'd known about Parkrun, but I didn't know about Junior Parkrun. Okay. So she said oh, it was for, uh, for young youngsters between four and 11, uh, 2K on a Sunday morning. Okay, I'll go along. Free coffee, and I'll get a free coffee. Uh, and most people who know me will say I'll do most things for a free coffee. Same, yeah. So I, I turned up and it was saw the event happen, uh, and I thought this is something that I could get involved with. Mm. Um, again, I enjoyed sport as a child, and give something a go. I'll try anything if there's something there for children to at least to try. They don't have to like it. Yeah. The say is they just giving it a go. There is an opportunity or an avenue for the for, for children. Mm. Um, with so many distractions these days with Xboxes, Playstations, and so true. Um, yeah. Is you can just say just give it a go. Try it. Try it a couple of times. Yeah. If, at least you can then say you've tried it. Yeah. Um, and it's a fun run. Not a race. It's, it's no, no it pressure. No pressure. Um, and they're not children aren't being left there because it's. Two, two kilometers their mums and dads or aunties and uncles and all that, or grandparents yeah. could run with them as well yeah. so it's to bring more of the family uh, an opportunity so I went along and uh, when the event started volunteered every now and again and then um, Denise who was the event director at the time she then said there's an opportunity as a to be part of the core team as the run director Brilliant. one of the run directors and I was like oh okay I said yeah I'm interested here you go can you please fill in your CRB check form yeah yeah uh, so from being asked to become a run director to actually being part of the, the team 
um, officially was uh, probably about two months where all the paperwork was being mm. done. Okay. Um, and then I was a, a run director for probably 12, 18 months. Um, Brilliant. See, seeing the youngsters each week. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's where we, we, st- we started seeing each other on Sundays when I started bringing my kids along. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, so, it's, yeah. Uh, it's strange how uh, yeah. people, people meet. And you're seeing the children who occasionally who just turned up not quite sure what they were doing um, not sure if they would enjoy it and then over a period of six months mm. seeing their faces when they were getting because as you know was with Junior Parkland they get the distance bands yes um, which they love they absolutely love they getting those and uh, you're seeing some people who were probably a little bit reluctant to start with mm. running um, and then they were getting their half marathon or their marathon wristbands yeah. um, and the sense of achievement for them that they'd they'd done something was made getting up early on a Sunday morning worthwhile for them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And do you do you ever see any of the juniors that you knew back then still running now, like in ten k's and races? And we stuff? did see. Uh, I can't remember the. You probably know the the lad's name. Um, he was always like first or second. He had a long blonde hair. His parents they moved over to the Isle of Wight. Owen. Owen. Owen and Lauren. Yeah, Owen yeah, yeah Lauren. I do remember them. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was volunteering uh, a couple of years ago on the, the Saturday for the Great South. Oh, with the, jun- uh, the, junior the junior for, for the juniors, and they do the five k in the yeah. juniors. And uh, so I was on the finishing funnel, mm. and we looked around and saw his parents. Okay. And yeah. uh, so they s- said hello and stuff. They recognise each other, um, and they said that uh, Owen was running. Yeah. Um, and then, not long after that, the the, the front runners were coming in. Uh, and Owen was still up there. There you go. Uh, yeah, he's... So he'd he they come over from the Isle of Wight for him to do the event. Mm. Um, yeah, Owen and Lauren, really good examples of some juniors that have come really come through the ranks and they've kept running up. Yeah, Re- really good runners now. Very very good. So, but yeah, you do see some of some of them, and all you see some of the parents is yeah. the children may not have uh, carried on with the running, but the parents had ran with the children to start with. Yeah. Uh, and but they'd they've got into running themselves. So yeah. the children have tried it. It wasn't for them, but the parents I do still enjoy running. Yeah, I've seen some nice comments actually from some of the parents saying, "Thank you so much to the volunteers. Come out, come out with my son a few times. I've, it's actually got me running as well." Yeah. So like you say, two k for some adults that's, that's a long way, you know, and it's a kind of a, the ign- the ignition to start their own running, which is fantastic. Yeah. Really, really good. And also, I like I love the fact that families can get out on a Sunday morning and just rather than mooching around the house and kind of first first getting out the door at 12 o'clock yeah you're out early and you're just enjoying the sunshine the fresh air the park and uh even myself i've started playing games with joel and playing shooting hoops with the other kids and stuff it's it's just brilliant i think everything about it junior park run is, is, is really fantastic yeah. now Della, I, I appreciate obviously i don't want to take too much of your time but there's two things that we want to i still want to cover with you um one is the marathon de sabre which is which is something i'm really excited to look to dig into and obviously on the whistle event so it might be might be a good time on the timeline wise, um, you know, J- Junior Park Run being with Claire Fleming and mm-hmm. obviously Kiernan, a, f- a friend of yours. How if you could tell us how on the whistle kind of came about? Yeah, um, on the whistle, uh, Claire and myself and a few others uh, runners, we went over to uh, to do an event in, in Kent, uh, run by Saxon Viking Normans, okay. is the, the the run company, uh, and the. The event director or the, the run director down there is a guy called um, Travis Wilcox mm-hmm. and he put on the, the six hour challenge event um, and we hadn't done this before we hadn't 
done anything like this before. It was a bit of a of step into the unknown, and it was it was a lapped event within a, with a six hour time limit. So we went uh, down to um, to Kent. It was um, Samfar Hoe down by where the uh, the Channel Tunnel is. Okay. And uh, we went down there because the medal looked nice. Right. We entered the event. Medal chasing. Med medal chasing. <laughs> this was. It was a bit different from all the normal medals, which was a sort of like a little small, like size of a ten pence piece. This was like a quite a big medal. Okay. Um, and the format was, uh, it was with a six hours, and you run uh, as many laps as you want. And uh, each lap there was uh, still know the distance of three point two eight miles. Okay. Uh, for no reason other than that. Uh, for if you do eight of those, it becomes a marathon distance. Perfect. Okay, so the maths uh, makes sense. So the maths makes makes sense, uh, and it was to run round uh, Samfar Ho, which was like a nature park, uh, okay. down by uh, the Channel Tunnel, and the format of it is is you, you you do laps. Everybody starts together. You don't have to say I'm going to run one lap, two laps, three laps, and people were running nine, ten laps. So you just entered. You just entered. You didn't have to declare your distance. Mm -hmm. And if you did one lap, you finish, and you get the same medal as somebody who's done ten laps. Yeah. Um, so it was there was no pressure. You're running alongside people, but you don't know if they've done they're one lap ahead of you or one lap behind you. So mm. there was it was a very relaxed sort of environment to run in. Yeah. Um, and you get to the finish, uh, you go laps, come back to an aid station where there was uh, uh, opportunities to have a drink. Yep. Uh, as I said, go back to when I enjoyed my first ultra, was yep. you're at an aid station and you're stopping and you're talking to people. Mm. It wasn't the pressure for you to go and then run back out. There was people who were just into the aid station, quick drink and back out again. Yeah. But then there was other people who were there stopping, having something to eat, something to drink. Your kit bag was with you because it was at the aid station. Which is a big help. Yeah. Big help. Yep. So, oh, I want to change my trainers. I want to oh, take my top off. Mm. I've got... Um, too many layers on so this was quite a breath of fresh air it was I want to say like the mentality or the, the feel of an ultra but not in an ultra environment it was the environment yeah. that anybody could be you could do say 3.28 miles is just more than a 5k so you've got people who can do run 5k 10k but they then they then on the day got the opportunity if they want to to try something a to, bit more. Yeah, and you can run a lap, walk a lap. There's yeah. no pressure, um, and there's no stigma. Mm. Uh, in that, in some cases, I would not be listening road road races, but the fast people go, you don't see them again. Yeah, uh, and if you walk, it's sort of maybe in some cases frowned upon whereas this it was if you wanted to walk you walked if yeah. you wanted to run you ran yeah. well you can, you can feel like you're being left behind can't you on a road and, it is yeah, and you don't and want to be the person at the back Yeah. and with this one because it was laps um, you were never left behind mm. uh, and as I said you didn't know what laps other people were on Correct, yeah. compared to you um, so we did this and we thought this was quite interesting mm. um, different way of running Yeah. and getting people who may not necessarily run a race because they may not feel the pressure of running a half marathon um, They because if, if you don't finish a half marathon you don't finish it you've done a DNF so it was quite interesting for us to, to see that format okay. we looked uh, around the Portsmouth area in Hampshire if there was something similar and there wasn't uh -huh. um, so Claire and myself and we were talking with Kiernan we said we'd like to put on events um, 
in the Portsmouth area for running. Um, so we discussed the six-hour uh, format, yeah, uh, and we decided it would be something we, we'd like to try and do. Okay. So we got in touch. We went back up to do another event with with Travis, mm. and at the end we sat down with him and said we'd really like to do this format in in the Portsmouth area, because uh, he was one of the only few people who were doing it. Uh, and he sat down with us and said, "Do it." He said, "Get more people running. It's yeah. it's, uh, will benefit the running community, people's health." Um, so he sat down with us and said, "This is how you organise it. This is the people you need to go and speak to to get your race permits. This is how I use. This is who I use for for medals. This is how I get my insurance from." That's so, brilliant, isn't it? It's like so kind of them to do that. So yeah. and it wasn't as if we were putting on events in Kent and he yeah, was like yeah. he said this is who I use this is how I do it and so we used him f- um, as a sounding board for the first okay. first event that we put on Brilliant. Um, and so we decided that we were going to do it yep. uh, at the end of 2015 in Costa Coffee in Cosham which was our unofficial sort of company office yeah. um, we decided that we were going to go live with our first event so that was that was where it was born that was where it was born in Costa Coffee, and then, um, hence I said, is I'll do most things for a coffee. For a coffee, <laughs> a coffee. There's a coffee. There's a theme. There, there, yeah, there yeah, is yeah, a theme yeah. here. Is uh, I'll do anything for coffee, and we 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 agreed on the company name, yeah. and we agreed that we were going to go and do the, our first event okay. in 2016. So next time any runners are in Costa Coffee in Cosham, which I assume is still there, yes, it is there. Um, have a look round and soak up the atmosphere because <laughs> that's where on the whistle was born. Yeah, <laughs> in the in the far corner on the left hand side. There we go. Uh, <laughs> So that was it when it was born between, uh, say, Claire, Keenan, and myself. Um, we'd got experience on putting on events for Claire and Keenan, especially with um, events that they put on for Portsmouth joggers. Mm. Um, Brilliant. Yeah. So, so your first first event was the Wickham... Wickham Whistler. The Wickham Whistler. Whistler. I've got to get that in, here. <laughs> uh, in, in Wickham along the old uh, Meon Valley uh, railway line. Yeah. Um, nerves beforehand did everything go planning wise was it all fine and uh... Uh, it was one of those things we'd I think we over planned everything we tried to to do the what if scenarios Mm -hmm. Um, what happens if there isn't enough parking because we put on events we were putting on the event and we wanted it to be um, as runners we wanted to put on as an event that we would want to run in yeah, so you're all thinking sense. about the things that you enjoy when you go to a race. So, yeah. yeah, so we were like, okay, Liam, what about um, we were concerned about running out of medals, so we ordered the the right number of medals. We didn't do the, oh, we expect a 20% dropout, so we won't order the full number of medals. So mm-hmm. we have a 150 races uh, entrance, okay. so we ordered 150 medals, so everybody had a medal. Okay. We were concerned, I was like, we've got to order them in time because we don't want to have a race with no medals. Yeah. So we, we're going to have enough toilets, parking. Uh, we were nervous. We got there way too early on the race day. <laughs> Can never be too early on the race <laughs> time, though. And, uh, so it was just trying to preempt everything that or anything that could go wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and did anything go wrong on the day? No, it was it was one of those days we finished and uh, packed everything all up. And, and we we finished in in time, packed everything away, and we went to Costa Coffee in Cosham because it was still open on the Sunday. So and we just sent, looked at each other and went, "Well, how do you think that went?" And we surprised ourselves um, okay. that 
we thought we may have had a few few problems but mm. it seemed to go well and the feedback we got from runners yeah uh, on the day itself and afterwards on social media I was they enjoyed it brilliant that's really really good oh that was gonna be my next question was what what the feedback was so clearly it was positive you knew you were onto something good there you knew that you wouldn't have a problem filling a next event did you have did you have anything booked as a next event at that no time? we didn't we 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 decided that we'd wait to see how it okay. it went um but then as soon as the uh the wick and whistler finished we were like, like okay let's go and try and find somewhere else to hold an event um and then we did um our next event in the july of that year as well okay and, and where was that that was up at staunton country park okay and uh, it coincided with world emoji day so oh, okay. our um, our race was called the emoji race brilliant so uh, <laughs> and, the, and the race medal itself was uh, a spinning um emoji so i think the emoji oh. with the sunglasses on one side and the smiley yep. face on the other okay i think I, I think i remember seeing that online somewhere and thinking oh i want i want that emoji i yeah. want that emoji because i did i did i took part in the uh in the first event the wick and whistle whistler um and loved it i thought it was really good there were, there were bluebell woods around yes. quite a nice day um and i was training for the london to brighton at that at that time probably not as hilly as i would have liked for a training run but it was really really good i loved i loved the format um i know my little boy and my wife and my daughter came along mm. and you'd given them or asked them if they wanted to help dish out the wristbands that yeah. you were giving on the laps and they loved that. It was a very, very friendly event. It was really yeah. good. Um, and like you say, it's a really good chance because you've got your kit bag there as well. You can test nutrition for a race and stuff, which is great. Yeah. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. And I think the photo I took of um, of the briefing with uh, with the runners in the background of Wick and Whistle, I think you used that for years afterwards as your, as yes. your logo. Yes, Lo- logo on, yeah. I think on our, um, I think it's the... The, the header on our um, our Facebook page. It might even still be there. I don't know, but yeah, yeah that was that was really cool. I was, I was, I was, whenever I see the page, it always reminds me of the day. It was a really good day, fantastic. So, um, just one quick last one before we move on to MDS was: uh, Have you had to change much um, in the format over the years based on feedback or problems that you've hit or anything like that? as a, as a as a race director? Have you? Uh, uh, or not not so much. The, the format still still the same. Um, and saying it's, it's the six hours and the laps um, so the feedback we get uh, is is more about what food is at the aid station as you said is you asked me about nutrition for, for my races that I've done people are saying they, we used to put sweets and uh, cakes and biscuits mm. and people were like for a couple of laps that's fine we'll we'll have some some Haribo and fudge um, and fudge uh, fudge fudge has been uh, so the, the, I think the feedback on fudge is that we need fudge all the time okay um, I don't know why is that we've become uh, our events are synonymous with, with having fudge yeah I know I always see that that comment <laughs> out at the fudge and, uh, <laughs> and uh, so I don't think an event would be the same if we didn't have fudge yeah. uh, but we've now moved more into the savouries mm-hmm. so people are wanting uh, like cocktail sausages sausage rolls uh, cheese people love okay. love yeah, cheese yeah, yeah. Um, and we're getting more people with um, the, from the vegan vegan runners of course yeah, um, yeah, who yeah. are vegan so we now provide um, vegan food mm-hmm. uh, or vegan snacks for people because um, in the past they normally have to bring their own because most events or the larger scale events didn't cater for sort of like the, the vegan runner yeah uh, so and all the people who have got um, uh, gluten intolerant that's right so yeah, yeah. 
we we do provide that so we've we try and cater for as many sort of people as possible mm-hmm. you can't cater for them all I know yeah uh, unfortunately otherwise you'd you'd be doing bespoke yeah. feed station for 150 150 yeah, it, it would be runners. impossible wouldn't it yeah but the fact that you've got your kit back there and stuff allows you to bring your own stuff it, it so. does and but we do provide say the, our food has changed um, that we provide at the aid mm-hmm. station so if people want to check out your events and stuff, they've obviously got the events page on Facebook and your own webpage on the whistle.co.uk. Brilliant. So people can go go check it out and see what, what events are coming up and stuff. Yeah, our, uh, our next event is uh, the Bat- Batty Bimble okay. event up at Hogmore Enclosure. Do you remember that last year, the weather? I definitely do remember that weather. I think <laughs> Six most hours pe- of torrential rain. <laughs> I, think, I think most people who were there remember it. They probably, Hopefully their clothes and trainers have dried out. But mm. Almost. <laughs> I got into my car after that run and I was like, I just took one deep breath after six hours of, of in the rain. I was like, oh. that was quite good fun, that event, because I, uh, I got to meet um, uh, some really, really nice runners there, including Susie Chan, yes, um, who had just got back, I think got back a few months before that from her Costa Rica challenge, Coastal Challenge. Yes. And also a nice chap called Mike Seaman. Mike well. Seaman from uh, the National Running Show. Correct, yeah, yeah. yeah. In fact, I was chatting to him didn't know who he was and was chatting to him about the national running show and how I'd always wanted to go up but never quite made it so he gave me two tickets that day so it was lovely that's why I was up there um, a few weeks ago and oh, okay. bumped into you guys yeah so yeah really good excellent that's, that's really good I think I think on the whistles of it's a fantastic run run organization I really do um, I always hear really good things about it and I've got many friends that come and do your events in fact I've got one doing Batty Bumble in a few weeks time Patrick I think he's going to do very very well <laughs> um, so MDS, 2016, you signed up for MDS, re- re- reasons why? Uh, I've watched so many programs, Discovery Channel programs, YouTube video clips on Marathon de Saab, uh, and at the time it was this sort of mythical mm-hmm. um, event uh, across the Sahara Desert, uh, people running through the desert where people shouldn't be running, mm. uh, should only be camels. And it was one of those events that you'd like to think, going back to what I was saying when I was seeing the Great South being running, um, one day I'm going to run that, I'm going to do it. And it was, uh, and I entered the Great South, and as you say, as we've, we've discussed the my running years in between. Yeah. And uh, But Marathon to Sorrow, it was one of those ones I thought, if I could do it, I'd want to do it. Okay. It's There's something about it that I couldn't really put my finger on. But it always um, had this this stigma, didn't it? This mythical kind of yeah. You know, wow. The Discovery Channel classed it as the toughest race in the world, um, which at the time it probably was. Mm-hmm. Um, compared to other events that are out there now, is it still considered the toughest foot, foot race in the world? It depends uh, on what kind of day you have, I guess. <laughs> it is, uh, or, or it seven de- seven days, and um, in in the seven days of that the event is on lots of things can happen so yeah. can, can you tell us briefly what it is what, what, what the event is just in uh, case somebody doesn't know uh, Marathon de Saab is a 250 kilometre uh, multi-day event through the Sahara Desert uh, self-sufficient so you have to carry all your own food for seven days all your own kit uh, the only thing that they provide is water which is rationed to about 10 litres of water a day yep. um, and they provide a Bedouin tent at the end of each night. Okay, so That's you're not your, carrying that. Okay. You're not carrying that, but uh, it's far from five-star creature comforts. Mm-hmm, um, I could imagine. You wouldn't rate it highly on TripAdvisor. <laughs> but you, uh, 
but everybody is in the same boat it's um, everybody has to carry a certain amount of compulsory kit everybody else has to provide their own food so if you want more food it's one more weight that you're carrying so people tend to go light as possible okay. uh, and it's run through temperatures of reaching 45 degrees during the day through the sand and the mountains of the, uh, a lot of people think the Sahara Desert is just desert but there's mountains and rocky outcrops that you go up and down that's interesting I don't, I, yeah again I didn't think about that I just I just think sand but it's uh, very flat sand flat sand dunes but yeah no it's um, if you look at anything of um, the Moroccan desert if you look at uh, there's one Jebel which is a mountain Jebel El Otfa mm. which is in most of the photographs if you see of Mouth and the Saab you either see people running down a sand dune or going up a mountain uh, okay. a Jebel yeah um and every year, Marathon de Saab will get you to do both. Wow, okay. Um, so it's it's done It's six stages over mm -hmm. seven days. Okay. Um, stage four is the long stage, which is uh, like just over a double marathon in distance. Okay. And you get about 30 hours to complete that. Mm -hmm. um, what, what's, the, what's the running like? Like, uh, is it is it similar to running on shingle on South Sea Beach, or is it, um, does your feet, do your feet sink into that sand? Uh, your feet sink into the sand. They, um, it's you skid on the um, the, the shale or the, the sort of uh, flint rock mm -hmm. that's up there. Uh, you're going up and down hills, so yep. you can't train for every sort of terrain around here in in Portsmouth. I ran uh, regularly on South Sea Beach in the shingle. Okay, uh, I went over to Wales. Um, Was the shingle good preparation? Would you say like? it strengthened the the ankles? Okay. Because um, even on mm. sand, the terrain, you put your foot on the sand and it's not like running on a road. It's, it twists and it, yeah, it rolls. Yeah. So um, running on the shingle uh, definitely strengthened strength, strength the uh, okay. ankle. Um, so what, what, what was the registration process like for the race? It was, it sells out really quickly. The saying is I, in 2016, I got an email saying entries for the 2018 Okay. event so it's two nearly two years in advance mm -hmm. we're going online um, and they tend to sell out within 10 minutes the UK get about 250 places out of um, for the 2018 there was 13, 1300 runners okay um, so the UK get about 200 places okay so come the day I think it was the 21st of June mm -hmm. Uh, I was online it was just like a, sat there sat there I, I was like somebody trying to get tickets for Glastonbury or a music festival yeah. with I had my works laptop I had my uh, my iPad I had my own laptop all all there at work all the screens in front all of you ready to go ready to go yeah uh, and I rescheduled a meeting at work so I was going to be had this to the time because yeah, entries yeah. came on at 10 o'clock uh, and at 10 o'clock I refreshed the pages of all the web browsers that I had open in front of me mm -hmm. uh, hit enter put my details in put my credit card detail in for my 500 pound deposit wow, okay. uh, and then hit submit um, and it felt like an age for that page to refresh or reload mm -hmm. and then it said congratulations your, uh, your entry has been accepted that's when the tears started oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I thought oh not quite sure this, has it happened what's what so I went to my emails and uh, five past ten on June the 21st I know that date and I know the time I think I've still got that email yeah. that said congratulations your uh, 
you have a place in the 2018 marathon. Oh, that's when you just sat back and thought, oh no. <laughs> it was like <laughs> rock and roll. It was it was mixed feelings. It was like I've got a place because it's that um, you hear of people trying to get places and they they sell out and then I've got one of these places now. But then it's like, oh, I've now got a place. It's yeah. all got a little bit serious. Yeah. So immediate high of entering and then just a, and kind of a low afterwards going, okay, it's a long time until the race and, and now I've got my work cut up. For yeah, me. it was 20, something like 21 months. Yeah. So you think, oh, I've got plenty of time. Mm. Um, plenty of time to, to train and get ready for yeah. it. So, so I guess training pretty much started immediately. Did you, did you change anything in particular? I know you said you, you got in touch with a few people to give you, give you a hand with some training. and um, Yeah, I... I decided I was going to again take it very seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, rightly so. <laughs> rightly, yeah, as you say, right. So it's one of the also things that focuses your attention is is um, for those people who don't know, Marathon Tsab is not a cheap event. Mm. Uh, just for the event and flights alone was four thousand two hundred fifty pound. Okay. So a little bit more than uh, your, your normal Great South. People complain about the cost of the Great South. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who, out there who do that right take take notes <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that sort of focuses your um, your attention to obviously you don't want to waste it and a lot of yeah. people uh, say Quite, that's a lot you can go on a nice holiday for that yeah. uh, and then I also had some people going to me saying well that's an expensive DNF yeah. uh, Thank, do, thanks for the encouragement <laughs> yeah, do not finish and you think oh, well, oh you've got a bit of confidence in me mm. uh, so I thought well no if I'm going to do this it's probably going to be my only attempt at doing this yeah because uh, my wife had agreed that I was allowed to do so the training. The, the buying from your wife, my boy, really it was, yeah. she, she, she knew from before we, uh, before before I met her that she knew that I wanted to do this event. Mm-hmm. So I thought, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. Uh, being sensible, mm-hmm. uh, I went and had a strength and conditioning assessment because. Okay. Not only did I needed to be strong for the event, it was strong for the training. Yep. And a lot of people, I think, focus on the event, but it's having to get to the the start line. Yeah, is is a battle in itself. Um, so I went and had a strength and conditioning assessment done by um, Katie Crew Robinson. Oh, yes, um, yeah, one Katie. of the she's well known within the local running community. Of course, she uh, now runs the Good Gym Group. In good Portsmouth. Gym, yeah. and she was also uh, my best man at my wedding. Wow, brilliant! So, so she's got dirt on me from uh, from my stag do and etc. I'm hoping to get Katie on the show at some point, so I'm going to dig some of that out. <laughs> yes, yes. So she, so she did my assessment uh, and gave me uh, like I did a three month training plan with her. Mm-hmm. Uh, not so much focused on the running, but also on my core and my strength and the conditioning, um, so that my back and my legs, when I started running with a backpack, everything uh, would be in the best position condition yeah. as possible yeah. uh, so you put a lot of thought into this this is, this is good this was yeah, yeah. Uh, this is you going back to the that well structured kind of you know yeah. I need everything in place to work for this race but also as well as is, is those uh, you said is a lot of people go oh why are you doing that that's an expensive uh, DNF to do so you've got those sort of people that you want to prove wrong mm-hmm. and uh, I went to I saw online that was a, a multi-stage desert training uh, weekend in the Brecon Beacons. Ah, oh, brilliant. Okay. Uh, so I signed up for that, and it was a Saturday and a Sunday, and it was organised by Robbie Coleman, who is um, he's now completed Marathon de Saab fifteen times. Wow. He's, okay. uh, he's coached 
probably over a thousand runners to marathon to sort finishing medals uh, and there was an outdoor company called uh, Likes mm-hmm. in Brecon Beacons who do uh, ultras uh, they organise races as well in the Brecon Beacons okay. so they were there with all their kit so I went along and uh, didn't know anybody yeah. uh, and there was a lot of people there in the same boat as me looking around and you're making small talk over a cup of tea and biscuits and right. all of those people that were there were running MDS or most they, of them they were doing either Marathon to Saab or they were doing um, other multi-stage events okay. so they wanted to know all about kit uh, so they were telling us about how to do your structured training how about uh, foot care uh, nutrition what kit works what kit doesn't work mm-hmm. um, there's a lot of myth about Marathon to Saab and there's a lot of uh, yeah. people trying to say oh you need to do one thing and other people saying you need to do something else but if you've got over a thousand runners what works for one person doesn't work for another runner yeah, really so, really good point so yeah so it was to go and get a uh, an understanding of or knowledge from multiple people yeah. so you can then say oh, i'll try that one or i'll try this yeah um, advice is just options isn't it, it? Is. it's just options so the more advice you can get the more options you have yeah, yeah. and uh, so i went along and rory coleman was there saying this he's done 15 marathon to Saab's at the time well he'd done 14 at the time and I've uh, just done the math in my head that's quite a lot of uh, entry fees but anyway sorry yes <laughs> that is and, uh, and a, a lot of training so uh, but he also does coaching okay so and I thought to be honest I thought, if you can't who else can you really go to uh, with his knowledge and experience mm. so I got in touch with him and said it's like we met at the training camp I'd, uh, I'd like you to coach me Okay. or provide a training plan and so for nine months the nine months before the event so I'd done three months of strength and conditioning mm-hmm. uh, training with some general running yeah. and then I went and said to Rory right, we got nine months until the event um, do me something until then and get do, me ready and uh, so he produced my training plan um, to get me there to, to the start of the event do you think there was uh, lots in that training plan that you probably may not have done yourself it was it was worthwhile doing it was it was going into a lot of the we had like three months of base training yeah. getting up the the main thing he said was is to run to heart rate okay. as opposed to speed mm-hmm. um, because you're training in the UK in winter sort of thing yeah uh, whereas it's cold and then you're going out to run in the desert at 40 degrees Okay. Um, your body reacts differently for sure um, so if you want to run at 10 minute mile in, in the UK it's fine you then go and go straight to the desert to run a 10 minute mile in um, heart rate's going to go heart rate is up through there and yeah. then that's why you see a lot of people in the medical tent yeah um, so he said is run to your heart rate um, so you know how that feels so running at, and it was long slow runs so he was saying for my training and even in the races was to be my heart rate was to be about 138 beats per minute okay so keeping it quite quite low down zone two ish yeah it is and you get to know what that feels like so when you're in the desert Mm. you run and you're still running to 138 beats per minute and but you're running slower but you're running within your capability yeah yeah it's good Um, advice ignore the pace you've got so much more to deal with you've got the sand you've got the heat you're carrying your own kit um, and you're doing it for seven for six days so that was my first three months was slow runs brilliant and it was a bit different from what you would normally 
normally do because they were saying, oh, running it, I want to do 720 pace, I want to do this was sort of moving away from that. Mm. Um, then after that, after that base fitness and sort of training, we were then going into more specific um, sort of MDS training, okay. which was um, he was getting me to run seven miles in the morning, seven miles at lunchtime, and seven miles in the evening. Okay. Um, sort of try and mimic to some degree how you would make run on the long stage yeah. at Marathon de Sable, because you would run for a while, stop, and then go out again and run mm. um, along the the like, double marathon so stage. Basically, back to back running, but all within one day, just within broken day. up, broken up long runs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. Um, that then, fits in nicely with your work schedule as well. It it does. Yeah. yeah. And also as well is every now and again is to throw in went over to Murthamar mm -hmm. in um, just outside Cardiff Way in, in Wales which is the huge sand dunes um, okay. so went along there and um, went running along the sand dunes for a while nice uh, went over to West Wittering just oh, okay. on, the, on the beach yeah. there so we do have options around Th there yeah. is yeah, yeah. not the big sand dunes yeah. uh, but that's the sort of training we did and then more towards the end of the, the training, um, say in the last three months, was doing five 20 mile runs back to back. Five, I five. Think. So and but that was also so on a on a Friday, mm -hmm. do a 20 mile Saturday, 20 mile Sunday, Monday, and the Tuesday. Um, do the 20 miles. Practice the food you're going to eat. Mm -hmm. So practice the rations, um, and even uh, sleeping on your your roll mat in yeah. the back bedroom practicing sleeping as opposed wow, to okay, so you, so I, I would never have thought that yeah yeah. so it's to sleep on a roll mat because you then you don't want to be using your roll mat in anger mm. for the first time yeah. in the desert know what know what it is you're going to go through yeah yeah yeah. know so, the enemy <laughs> yeah it is and he said he calls it his little mini MDS um, okay didn't quite go to what he said was actually go to the toilet in a cat litter tray in the back garden as opposed to using your normal toy. That's taking there's... things a little bit too far. To tell. <laughs> yeah, well, I thought, no, I'm not going to go that far. Because over there in Mountains Up, you don't have toilets. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you, um, you have... That, that is one of the funniest things I've actually heard, yeah. <laughs> Use the cat litter tray. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, brilliant. Uh, I, can, I can appreciate the idea, though. It's, uh, yeah, just exactly getting getting yourself used to what you have to do. Yeah. yeah. You don't have a nice, comfortable toilet seat to sit on when, you, when you've done 50 miles on the, on the long day. Or... No. My goodness. So, so did the race go okay? Was it um, was it was it fun? It was. I think the one word I would use it was awesome. Okay. Uh, it was on because I'd watched so many programs, so TV programs. Seen the James YouTube, Cracknell one. And James that, yeah. James Cracknell. I've been the Discovery Channel, and there were so many different. Uh, if you go on YouTube, there's, there's hundreds of people. Tom Evans would have been out done, there. Done, done it, yeah. And uh, and I'd watched the previous year from um, with Tom Evans when he. Uh, he finished third mm. um, so you see all the, the coverage and you're there on the start line of day one um, and they've got the big inflatable arches you've got 1,300 1, people you've got Patrick Bauer who's the race director who, the who, who founded Marathon de Sable okay. stands on top of the Land Rover with the microphone yeah. uh, and you have ACD music playing and uh, it's you've got helicopters flying over with all the, the, the press uh, it's just like being on a film set to me. I looked around and it was just like, this is exactly what those films are like. There was nothing has changed. Mm. The format yeah. was the same. Yeah, yeah. 
and I was standing there and it was almost hardly to believe that you're there <laughs> it was it was just like okay, you're looking around and you, it's, you see these people and you think oh, God, they look so much fitter than me mm, everyone gets that and, uh, and you're thinking should I be here um, it's hard isn't it yeah hard looking around mm. so but it was also um, emotional as well because it's like all that training that you've done you've invested a lot of time and mm. money I stopped counting on how much I spent on the event at £7,000 <laughs> Yeah, I would as well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that was also encountered was the training. I did uh, heat chamber climatization down at Chichester University. So all in. So I was like, if I'm doing this, I don't want to cut corners. Mm. Um, Can I also ask as well, there was a bit of an ec extra emotion and incentive to get to the finish line because this was the last, I believe, uh, number of three races that you told your mum that you were going to run. Yes, I, I told my mum when she, she had cancer that I was going to do... Um, three races yep. uh, or I was going to do some races and they were the Great North because mm -hmm. my mum had known about the Great North yeah. um, it's not quite I can say oh I'm going to go and do the gospel half marathon mum she she won't know it Yeah. Uh, but so I said to her I said I'll do the Great North mm -hmm. um, which I did I said is I ran in uh, a big pink curly haired wig yeah. uh, the London Marathon um, which my mum knew and I ran as a pirate fancy yeah, dress yeah. there was a theme here but I didn't do marathon de Sable in dress. fancy dress <laughs> uh, but it was the last race that I told my mum that I would do be mm -hmm. before she died okay so, so this she, had, she had passed by she, had, she had passed okay. away so it was also me achieving what I wanted to achieve which was the marathon de Sable mm -hmm. um, but also as well as it was just like there you go mum I, I told you I was going to do three events yeah. these three events and here I am to do so, so those thoughts were all there with you on the day then so yeah, yeah and yeah. it was all it was all emotional uh to, on the day um and then off we went on day one mm. and i remember finishing uh they said the course distance on day one was about 30 kilometers um but for some reason my garmin was shown at something like 33 kilometers and i swear i didn't get lost yeah yeah uh so but i survived day one okay um and then got back to the tent got myself all sorted mm. and got into the routine of each morning getting up running getting back to the tent wow and it was was it was atmosphere in the tent quite nice or were you, were you with some some nice people um the the people in the tent i, I got to know um at that training weekend in the brecon beacons Brilliant. Um, okay, so you, okay there was eight of us uh, who just laughed and joked mm -hmm. and in the absence of knowing anybody else we said why don't we all share a tent um Fantastic. there was seven blokes and one girl Okay. Um, so we were known as uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. <laughs> Brilliant. Just, uh, and we are to this day, you know, we still got a WhatsApp group uh, oh, with laughs really and jokes and stuff. And we've had reunions twice a year since we've done the event. Oh, isn't that great? So you've, you've met a really good bunch of friends there and yeah. shared that experience together. Did you did you all sort of run some of it with any of them particularly, um, or were you all separated on the on the days? A couple, a couple of people ran, managed to run some sections. Um, I didn't. I was sort of the middle of the pack, um, so I didn't run with anyone. But we were there in the mornings and there in the evenings for everybody. Mm. Wow! Helped each other out and had a laugh and a joke. It sounds like you had a really kind of like positive all round experience there with no no issues and stuff. And um, you managed to get through the finish, all fine. Got to the finish. I had um, cramp on the, the marathon stage, um, my left leg, but one of the medical team uh, massaged it and sorted it out. Uh, but the only other aspect that was on playing on the back of my mind was from day two my soles of my trainers were falling apart okay so uh, which which shoes are those they were hockers 
I, I don't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I can show you the photo. I can show you them. I've still got them. Uh, just part of the the soles were coming off. Okay. I tried super glue, but the terrain over there, the, the soles just mm. bits of the soles. Clearly, they have a, had a proper battering. They do, and uh, but I got to the finish with them. Mm -hmm. I've still got them. Yeah, good. Uh, keep. <laughs> they they suited me, so. Wow. But ultimately, got to the end, got the medal. And, uh, Feeling was good, crossing the line, amazing. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. ticking ticking that box. Yeah. Do you find do you find after like a, a such a massive event like that? I mean, I've never run anything on that scale at all, but crossing the finish line would be a, a, a high that lasts for quite a few days and then a bit of a drop off at the end like what do I do next did, did you get that at all I did I got um, post MDS blues um, mm. and a lot of people uh, one of the runners you may know uh, Paul Pickford yeah Paul, but, Paul's come up a few times on the show actually. Uh, he he was one of my sounding boards for uh, Marathon de Sar because he, he's done it okay. uh, and so when you, as I said there was a lot of myth uh, and probably some like misinformation about Marathon de Sar. So if I hear something, it was just like, how true is this? And uh, so I'd go and speak to Paul. Okay. And Paul was just like, no, don't be rubbish. That's rubbish. Don't be silly. <laughs> or he would agree with it. He said, yes, that's true. Okay. But one of the words of advice that he said to me was, he said, when you get back, have something to aim for. Because okay. you, you've, you've done a lot of training and you've focused. Mm -hmm. As I said, is it was nearly 21 months from getting that email to start. Yeah. being on the start line uh, he said have something to aim for when you get back yeah. um, and when I got back I struggled to go running because you're in such a bubble of running through stunning scenery sand dunes mountains um, and there's helicopters flying over you and stuff yeah. and you don't quite get that on South Sea Park when you don't get a helicopter <laughs> flying alongside you at 50 metres yeah. filming um, and this is a drone of some kind <laughs> yeah so he said to go and have something to aim for um, so and I just had a, a small small race uh, about three months after mm -hmm. that I, I picked and, okay. and I went and did so that um, kind of just helped you tick over those tick over yeah, yeah. And, and, I, and I made sure it was it was cross country as okay. well because I I found struggling to just to run on the road because it, mm -hmm. it was just monotonous uh, yeah, it's good. It's good advice though, because a lot of people don't think about something post uh, a massive event like that. Yeah, and um, yeah, it can be quite kind of like daunting when you get back and you think, okay, it's all over now. I've had the high, and just as much as a high there is, there's a low as yeah. well afterwards. And yeah, it's kind of like almost like a back to reality kind of check, isn't it? I think it's quite normal. I think a lot of people go through it. But yeah, interesting. Interesting that you booked that race. So I think that's really yeah. sound advice from Paul. Fantastic! Wow, well, well done for getting through that. That's uh, absolutely amazing. Yeah. And I'm sure if people want to come and ask you and find out more more detail about MDS, they can they can come and tap you up at one of the park runs or one of your races. Yes, or yeah. Well, I've, I've, people have come up to me and asked. I've, I've had friends who did it last year who uh, I've went and helped, and yeah. given some advice. Oh, brilliant! Yeah. I'm sure you'll, I'm sure you'll get loads of questions from people wanting to uh, to go and do that in the future. Um, I, I realize I've taken way too much of your time already, Dell. Um, uh, just wanted to find out quickly. What's your plan for the future uh, with the running? For, for running, uh, I'm doing a bit of cross training at the moment. I'm doing um, triathlon training. Cool. Um, just to sort of not pound the, pound the roads and all the trails mm -hmm. too much for my body. Uh, it's had enough, I think, or to, to some degree. <laughs> but so doing cross training, going in swimming and, uh, and cycling. Uh, got a desire to do, you know, as a, the Norseman Extreme Ironman. 
Yeah. I've heard I've heard of that somewhere, but I don't I don't know from where. Yeah. Yeah, okay. it's uh, it's it's up in Norway. Okay. The start of the tr- the the two point four mile swim is off the back of a car ferry in a wow. field. Okay. Uh, it may be my only Ironman that I do, so why mm. why not go for something a little bit extreme? It's got extreme in the name. Yeah. Um, Sounds like you're drawn to these things anyway. So yeah. I'm sure you'll do well. <laughs> uh, but ultimately, uh, next year my focus is going to be if I can the Everest Trail Race. Which oh, wow. is okay. uh, a five-day multi-stage race through uh, the foothills of Everest, Gosh, um, sounds, up in Nepal. That sounds epic. That sounds really. Amazing. You might want to um, at some point. Have you, I don't know if you've been listening to the podcast at all, mm-hmm. but there's an interview with um, Colin Reynolds, mm-hmm. and he's actually been to Nepal and done quite a lot of walking and hiking around. I think he's might been up to base camp and stuff. So might be a good idea to get in touch with him at some yeah, point. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So, so that's that's November 2021. Would you ever consider a UTMB trip at some point, or have uh, ever been on the on the list? It's, I, I think I'm more suited to the multi-day, multi-stage, yep. than the the all out in one all day. In one, yeah, um, I'm used. To, I don't mind getting up the following day and repeating. Well, <laughs> I'll have to sleep in after the day <laughs> after that. <laughs> brilliant. It's been absolutely fascinating hearing your story. Um, I know there's obviously a lot more detail that we could have chatted about, but um, I'm sure that if you know, people have listened and heard something that you've done or what I've got questions about on the whistle um, you, yeah. you're often at park runs and stuff in the area and running about on the seafront and yeah I'm always about yeah cool mm-hmm. so they can they can come and tap you up and, and where, where can they, are you on social media at all and stuff do you have uh, Twitter or Facebook or uh... I'm, I'm on Facebook it's uh, Dale Roberts um, Instagram Dale Roberts I, I'm more active on, on Facebook than uh, okay. than others I'm not on Twitter and I think there's only so much social media I can cope with. <laughs> yeah, I know how you feel, trust me. Um, and yeah, just to finish off this, this interview, we just have some quick recovery run questions. So they're just quick one-liners. Um, and I'll start with, uh, what do you wish you'd known about running when you first started that you know now? Is there anything? Uh, yeah, I think uh, everybody makes the same mistake, I think, is you you get confident too early. Mm-hmm. You're, you you think you're you're further in your training than what you are, so as saying as you have a good couple of runs and the next thing you're doing is oh I'm going to go and run. For me, when I was training by myself for my first race, um, oh well I've I've managed to run a couple of miles. Oh, I'm going to go and run four miles. It's that progression too far. Okay, uh, is so if somebody at the very beginning said take it easy, Ease off, yeah. Ease not off. more than ten percent increase yeah, at a time that kind of stuff. Is. Okay, brilliant, good, good, really, really good. And what's your favourite running route in in or around the Portsmouth area? Uh, South Downs Way. Okay. Anywhere on the South Downs. Yeah, just like me. Love it. Love it up there. Yeah, just park at Queen Elizabeth Country Park and head out yep. onto the South Downs. East or west, your favourite? Uh, east. East, okay. I'm sorry. Towards, so towards Harting. Yes. Brilliant, brilliant. Do you have a favourite meal or um, hobby or thing that you like to do after a race that's kind of become your own tradition? Uh, cold can of Coke. Yes, ice I cold can of coke after after a race. Isn't it good? It's so good. Yeah. I've actually started drinking that during races as well. So I fill my bottles with coke, and yeah. I just have to keep squeezing the air out because <laughs> <laughs> obviously it gases up quite quite big. And um, what's your best running memory? Uh, best running memory is marathon to Saab at two o'clock on the long stage in the morning. Um, I'd well no, it wasn't two o'clock. I have to lie. It was probably around about four o'clock in the morning. Uh, I got to the top of a ridge and I was near. Um, coming to the end mm-hmm. of the, uh, the 90 kilometres got to the top of the ridge 4 o'clock in the morning uh, on my iPod 
uh, U2 came on uh, and it, it was their song Beautiful Day oh. uh, got to the top of the ridge and I could see the the floodlights of the the finish the camp yep. uh, in the distance and then the sun just coming up over the horizon um, so what more could I was getting to the end of the long stage of Marathon okay. Desire sun rising and you two brilliant that singing was, narrating the day I can so appreciate that moment it must have been fantastic and, and to the point now as we're never here Mar uh, you two beautiful day come on on the radio it takes me straight back to that moment fantastic and you'll have that with you forever that's, yeah. that's brilliant um, do you have a favourite park run that you'd like to do on a Saturday favourite park run in the area because we've got, obviously got so many options Lakeside Lakeside favourite okay oh brilliant good team down there as well they, yeah. they, they like to I know Rob down there he's really, he's really good um, what's your funniest or most embarrassing thing that's happened to you while running <laughs> and I'm dropping <laughs> you right on the spot yeah. uh, embarrassing moment uh, I'm not sure or funniest moment uh, anything anything that sticks out any uh, any jokes or uh, things you've had to do I, I remember um, running the Mayon Valley plod with Portsmouth joggers we decided we were going to do it in fancy dress again it's, there's a bit of a theme with fancy dress we did it as um, fairies Okay. Uh, a whole load of us from yeah. uh, the running group uh, and so I was there with in a tutu with fairy wings and the race organisers decided that they'd give me race number one <laughs> so everybody's seeing this fairy race number one running around <laughs> brilliant do you get lots of comments from people? yes it was yeah they used to in the past used to give the winner of the previous year's event race number race one. one right so people were seeing me with race number one and then putting on a 2-2 and fairy wings <laughs> and a wand <laughs> no pressure to win it or anything <laughs> um, anything you're currently watching on TV or a series or a film or anything that you're into do you, do, you do much TV no it's a, a book a you're reading book, a book at the a moment? book uh, I'm reading and I can't remember the name of it um, it's a, a runner from America and it, it's lost I can't remember the name of it but it's one of these guys who um, a little bit like uh, so like Rory Coleman and Dean Kinazis they've mm -hmm. they've overcome uh, various things he was okay. a, an alcoholic and a drug addict uh, but he's also now become one of the, the top finishers on the western states 100s and stuff oh, okay. uh, and to be honest I can't remember the name of the book or the author <laughs> it wasn't Scott Durick or anything no it wasn't no, Scott okay. Durick no all right. Uh, I got it for Christmas, and I've uh, just started picking it up. Okay, I'll be interested to know who that was. Yeah, you have to, yeah. have to ping it across. Uh, yeah, I'll ping it across. Yeah. Um, and when you did last question, when you did MDS, what was your most useful bit of kit during that during that week? Uh, my useful kit was my cook stove, cooking stove. Okay. Um, for one of the things that was not know that you were going to get back to your tent and have a hot meal. Was that like a uh, mini single? Thing that it was like up. these leaves, like hexamine blocks, fuel blocks. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, and it weighed. I could become very anal about how much things weighed. Yeah. And I can my cook stove was weighing 16, uh, 16 grams. Gosh. Uh, it was the stove and then a cook pot on the top. But it was nice to know that when you were running towards the end of the day or the end of the stage, was that you were going to have a, a hot meal. Mm. Uh, Cooked on that tiny little stove. <laughs> yeah. And and what what is it you think that makes? Obviously, you run in Portsmouth. You know a lot of runners around Portsmouth. What is it? That you, that you feel makes Portsmouth such a like, nice community and uh, a network of, of people and stuff. Have you got it, any comments about, about the runners generally and running in Portsmouth? Uh, there's, as you, you mentioned earlier, there's lots of park runs. Mm -hmm. So you can go and do various park runs and you meet see people. So if you go 
like I say, my favourite one I mentioned earlier is, is Lakeside, but you then go to Haven't, but you then see people who, who have run at Lakeside or also running in Haven't yep. differently. Um, so you, you can just say hello, it's that friendly um, sort of community feel. Yep. But also as with Portsmouth Joggers, you've got Portsmouth Joggers, you've got Baffins, you've got Denmead, you've got lots of like Gosport Runners, mm. uh, Fairham um, Striders, you've got oh, Fairham Crusaders, you've yep. got lots of running clubs all mm. very close to each other. So the structure's all there, isn't it? Yeah. And lots of events. Mm. So you see in runners all the other events and we get to see lots of them coming on on the whistle events as well yeah. so I can go out running and bump into people uh, from the running community quite mm. easily brilliant so you so you do feel it I mean that's part of the reason why I started the podcast was that I just felt there's so many runners around who know each other and chat to each other all the time it's just so good to share a little bit of a deeper insight into everyone's kind of running histories and stuff so yeah everybody's got a story to tell absolutely and stories and experiences are the most useful bit of information that people can take away I think because like you say it gives you options and things to think about and yeah. share stories and experiences with each other as well which is really important Del thank you so so much for joining me I've taken way too much of your time sorry it's been so long but uh, it's been really really interesting and uh, thank you again okay thanks Dan for, uh, for the invite very good thank you